0: That's who.
3: What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John
2: boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now.
1: Hey everybody! We're all gonna get laid! <laughs>
4: Get it picked up! It's Darius Leonard! A pick six for the Maniac!
2: Touchdown, INDY! Yes, sir! Uh, oh! The the double time! Miles
5: Turner! Yeah!
2: John? I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: You know what, honestly, you could not ask for a better November evening for the Pacers than what you witnessed and what they did last night in Philadelphia. I'll get to that coming up in just a minute. I mean, really beyond the box score, beyond the actual win, just all of the things that you needed to do, some things that you needed to get past. You saw a lot of those take place and take place last night in Philadelphia. And I don't know what it all means, but now they are the front runners in the East Group A. I guess essentially if they win in Atlanta on the road in in the next in-season tournament game, then they'll wrap this bad boy up. I'm just going kind to of going along as it goes. I'll get to my point that I'm going to make about last night's game with you in just a second. Meantime, I wanted to give a shout-out to Greg Rakstraw yesterday. He sat in for me. Fantastic, per usual. Thank you very much, Greg, if you're out there listening. Outstanding job. James did a great job yesterday. I missed you so. I got to hung- I hang out at Odin a little bit. So, yes, I went to the Odin locker, got some meat. I meated up. Played a little. I'm telling you, Odin's trying to get me down there for real. They've got the locker, they've got the Dutch pantry, and now they've got Donkey Kong and Galaga down there in the game room. So, yeah, they're trying to get me down there and trying to keep me down there, I think. But I had a good time down in GC and down in Odin yesterday in Davies County. And again, thanks to Greg and James for doing what they did. We have a busy show for you. Bowen's going to be here coming up at the 5 o'clock hour, fresh off his, uh, not multi-hair grafting, but Artist Robotic FUE laser hair therapy. I think he and uh, Andy and some of the dudes here, are you going? They're going to Sandler tonight. You going to Sandler tonight? I am no. Not. They're all. Go- I think they're going to Sandler tonight. I've got to go coach up some uh, very young girls, eighth grade girls, including my daughter a little bit at our practice tonight. But I-, I wanted to give a shout to Eddie White, who was incredibly cool. I may have turned you down along with me, James. <laughs> now that I think about it, when I- when I turned him down, I may have collectively turned you down, and that was my bad. But I think a lot of the people got asked by Eddie White. Uh, very cordially, uh, to come down and check out uh, Adam Sandler doing his, his stand-up and singing songs down at Cambridge Fieldhouse tonight. Again, very nice of Eddie to do that. And I think uh, the morning show guys are going. Um, I, alas, cannot. But, uh, again, thanks to Eddie for asking to go down there later on tonight. Not seriously. I always say that you need a bit of a charge, right? You do. Like the Pacers, um, to to get through, and I don't even look at it so much as this in-season tournament because I, I, I don't know what it means. We don't know what it means. But it's like the Colts. I want them to remain as interesting as possible and competitive as possible uh, for the longest period of time. It's kind of like what I felt about the Pacers a year ago. You know, when everybody dropped in the whole entertaining loss stuff that drives me absolutely insane, the losers mentality. But we talked about that year, uh, last year in terms of the Pacers, and now you talk about it this year with the Colts in mind, and that's understandable. But last night, and you guys are going to say, here he goes, he's absolutely crazy, I can't believe he brought this up. But last night was such a fantastic win in November on the road against a team that has had absolute ownership of you. Think about what we have witnessed over you know the past week or so. Think about what we have witnessed. We have witnessed the Pacers dismissing the Bucks, which they needed to do because the Bucs had ownership of them, and doing the same thing last night to the Sixers. But last night in Philadelphia was still a lot different, and here's why. They had not only just the, uh, the short-term history working against them, and as I talk about the ownership of that working against them, You know, the fact that Philly could do whatever they wanted to, basically, especially in Philadelphia against the Pacers, they had that working against them. But I thought last night's backdrop provided a lot of things that would be useful in the future and was a really good November test. And one was just Philadelphia in general. I mean, you are playing for something, even if we really don't know what it is, we really don't know what it means. We don't know too much about it whatsoever. I mean, they, they are playing for something in this in-season tournament. But even more than that, getting past some of the situations last night, and I know what some of you are going to say. Now, there are going to be a lot of you to agree with me. And then some of you are going to say, oh, it's so easy to do this and put blame there. But last night was a tremendous example if you have ever used the term eight against five. Because it was. I mean, there was nothing as jacked up as that officiating last night. Well, except the officiating in the Browns Colts game. That was some jacked up officiating. And it would be really easy to be like me right now and bring that up. And oh, woe was us. Look, we're getting the hose in Philadelphia. How are we ever going to win? and just whine and cry about it and make excuses. But I want to give them credit where credit is certainly due. They went out and got after it and stayed after it. I'm going to tell you what, the moment that they marched out Tyrese Maxey to shoot two free throws where they had screwed it up a little bit earlier with that play with Tobias Harris, the moment that they did that, I... (laughs) You get no explanation whatsoever. I would have been going crazy. In fact, I was going crazy. Because you know what I think about the best in the world? I think that's a bunch of garbage. I think there are good ones. I've never been a big fan of Courtney Kirkland or Scott Wall, I think, is one of the other trio last night that was just screwed up beyond belief. I know that you're going to have your bad nights and all this, but I've never bought into this thing being the best in the world. Sometimes I just think they make calls for the sake of making calls. Yeah, whatever. Blow the whistle right here. Give you the old tough guy routine. Now, mind you, they take a lot of heat. These players are constantly yapping. But more often than not, They get these quick-trigger type of guys that don't mind to go ahead and thrust themselves into various situations. So they're not without criticism, and especially when it puts you in that situation, just like the Colts and the Browns. There's definitely, at least officiating-wise, not without criticism because that had a direct effect on the game last night was having a direct effect on the game. Now, as it turned out, the Pacers move on, win easily, and that whole situation that was wasn't explained accurately whatsoever. Um you move on and it wasn't costly, but it had been we have been griping about this forever. And I'm glad we're not. I'm glad really I'm the only one doing it. Here's why. Because it showed a great deal of focus again for the Pacers to get past that. And again, you're in Philadelphia. Philadelphia has owned you. And then everything's working against you. All your bigs. You know, Daniel Tice, who, by the way, we'll get into that story a little bit later on. Contract being bought out. Looks like he's going to end up with the Clippers. We'll find out what the Pacers end up doing with that particular roster spot. It could be Kendall Brown. Maybe Oscar Sheepway. I don't know. Maybe add somebody else. It won't be Lance, like a lot of you are referencing. I love Lance, but it won't be Lance. But we'll see what they end up doing with that particular roster spot without Daniel Tice. And Daniel Tice looks like he's going to end up in L.A. with the Clippers, where all the winning's going on right now. But they got past a lot of stuff last night. All their bigs in foul trouble. And you know what? I sit there all the time. You sit there all the time, and you go, especially with Miles in mind, with Miles against Embiid, who obviously has had ownership against Miles, going up against him. And last night was having another big game. But you couldn't do anything. If you were the Pacers last night, you could not even breathe on Embiid. And they're going to blow the whistle. So sitting here and saying, well, you got to be more physical. And you know, a lot of you clowns out there that say, oh, Miles is so soft. There was nothing soft about it last night. He just couldn't do anything. For the better part of three quarters, he wasn't allowed to do anything. Jalen Smith wasn't allowed to do anything. Isaiah Jackson wasn't allowed to do anything. Those were gifts. Those were gifts given from these three clowns in the gray shirts. And the Pacers overcome. They did overcome that. Stuff in the past that would have sunk them, stuff in the past that would have affected them, maybe not just for that game, but in the longer term future. They got past it, they played. And they won. It's a November game. that a lot of you suggest we'll never remember what happens in November. I'm going to guarantee you this. We will remember what happened last night in November. We're going to remember that. You should remember that. Everybody talks about growth. And it always seems like around here because you have been privy to so much stinking losing. You've been a part of all this losing. It's like you think that you have to lose to grow. Ah, you know what? It's one to grow on. Yeah, you're getting beat, but you're growing through getting beat. And I always raise my hand and say, I would much rather watch somebody, a team, individually grow in terms of winning. Go ahead and win the game. Go ahead and win the game. Like you start all the way at the bottom. Nobody's allowed to win if you're going to rebuild. Nobody is allowed to win if you're on the other side now of that rebuild. Same thing with the Colts. Everybody's always concerned about where they're going to end up in the draft order coming up in April. I could not give a crap less. That's for all the nerds out there to figure out, all the nerds out there to tell me exactly what type of draft capital they have because not one of you know or understand who in the world they're going to draft in April. It sure as hell does not matter in November. And especially with the team that's five and five. And unless you were a big-time cheerleader, and maybe some of you are, not a lot of people felt that they were going to be in this position going into the bye week. So good for them. And good for the Pacers last night. I thought that they showed us a lot of moxie that we would not have seen a year ago, that we would not have seen with some former teams, some former head coaches, some former players. And Miles last night scored 17, and Miles was having what at times had become a typical type of night against Embiid. My man going into the third, fourth quarter had played about a total of eight minutes. Total of eight minutes. Then he gets out in the fourth and he continues to play. Continues to go after it. Ends up with 17. Was a huge part of that game. Huge part of that win before fouling out. Man, he needed to see that, he needed to do that, they needed to see that, they needed to do that. And you may think this is a little bit premature, and that's okay. That that is okay. I'm just going by, I'm taking the temperature of all those that write and cover the NBA. And of course, we all live in the moment. But outside of the numb nuttery with Draymond Green and the chokehold on Rudy Gobert and what took place in the Timberwolves and the Warriors game, which I don't know about anybody else. I'm so worn out on Draymond Green and his act and, oh, he was protecting this guy. He wasn't doing anything but going after a guy. And sometimes I don't blame him because Gobert can be a pain in the ass. But that's all that was last night. That wasn't anything about protecting a teammate. That was, you know what? I had hard targeted wanting to beat this guy's ass for a long time, and now is a really good opportunity to do it. And then I can blame it on the circumstances, which should not pass the sniff test, by the way, with Joe Dumars. Maybe it will. But outside of that, the individual performance last night, and then when was the last one? Sunday, yeah, Sunday, right? Against the Sixers, the individual performance of Tyrese Halliburton is star worthy. You think about the points and the assists with no turnovers—that's star worthy. And again, we're talking November, very premature to bring it up. And I think we all know that he is going to be incredibly good. But there is nothing wrong at all on a Tuesday night in the NBA in November to where you get all that type of pub. That is good for everybody around here. Good for everybody. Because you're going to get a lot more national hype out of that, and deservedly so, because those were two incredibly good games. But you got that last night. You got Miles getting past his circumstances with Embiid, with the Sixers. You got the Pacers as a team doing the same thing. You got the Pacers getting past a tremendous screw job opportunity. By three gray-shirted idiots. You know what else you got last night? You got yet another reason. Another reason why T.J. McConnell is so incredibly valuable. What have I told you before? There are going to be situations. There are going to be games in which he is going to be of high-level value. We've seen it already, and you saw it again last night. Listen, not so fast, and I guess in terms of Tice, because honestly, I thought that there was room on this team as we were watching last night for Tice. If you're going to talk about having depth, then have depth. Go all the way through the active roster. Because believe me, had he been active last night, he'd have been out there playing. You just never know. And I always like the fact that you protect yourself. There were some lineups out there last night that I don't think anybody thought we were going to see. I mean, going small ball. The stuff that maybe Rick Carlisle doesn't feel that comfortable about being a part of. But man, last night, being able to do that on the road, it was a big deal. And it was a needed deal. It was necessary for this team. It was necessary for a lot of these players. Because it seemed like at various points in that game, they had everything working against them. And they fought to get a win. And that also ends up giving you a lot more reason to buy in. I'm not suggesting you hadn't bought in. But last night... Last night, if you watched and, and your retinas your retinas were not singed to the point where you could no longer see by the playing surface that was red, seriously, it was watching a basketball game in hell. And it, it doesn't really bother me, but I, I tell you what was weird. Anybody else kind of get this last night when you were watching that game when they would go from the court shots of hell to you know the the individual player shots that had the stands and the fans in the background where it was like normal i mean it, it almost like you needed to be wearing sunglasses it was like a 3d movie back in the day it's like wait a minute am i seeing friday the 13th part three here so i don't really care other than that kind of felt like that had a bit of an effect on the viewing experience. It was weird. I think my pupils were dilated when they went from hell and the playing surface out to the crowd shots. <laughs> but again, all that doesn't matter because last night the Pacers won and they survived. They got through a great deal, a lot of which I think we would all draw the conclusion that we wondered whether or not they were going to be able to do it. And then for all the crowd out there that just wants growth and, oh, if you lose, that's okay, baloney. That's how you grow. That's how you grow and get better at the same time, and that draws a lot of things together. Team, fan base, gets you some national notoriety, which is not bad around here whatsoever, especially with Tyrese Halliburton. There was a lot more about last night to really like outside of the Pacers and getting that win in general. Uh, we can talk about that if you like at two three nine ten seventy. The email address is jmv1075thefan.com. Inside the Winshuler's Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live with everybody assembling in order there. Thank you very much, as always. And especially those that practice the non-jackassery in there. Thank you very much. Now, the occasional smidge of jackassery is okay, but the full-scale stuff that may end up getting your red flag is not so good. Uh, we appreciate you. When Schuller's Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. You can watch, listen, and participate in there. Uh, Kevin Bowen, as I mentioned, is going to join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Yeah, we'll talk about a variety of things. Colts in the bye week. Yeah, Daniel Tice, the buyout. Who's going to fill that gap on the roster? I didn't mind it. I just think there are points in the season that are very important where if you're talking about depth and everybody's patting one another on the back about depth, that you want to see that depth. You saw it again last night. I'm telling you what, the bigs couldn't go in the game last night without being whistled for a foul. It was incredible. And if you think that I feel really good because I sit here and I can cherry-pick And make fun of NBA officials. You're absolutely right. It makes me feel fantastic. Kip last night sent me a tweet or X or whatever it is now and said, Hey, I love those shows where JMV is able to tell everybody who has always sent him something regarding Miles Turner negatively uh, to gloat. And and you know what? Anymore, anymore, I just kind of sit back and soak it all up. It's beautiful. Because if you don't understand by now, some of you don't, because some of you are still jackasses. But if you haven't realized that right now, then you're never going to. And I would fair guess that there's something else going on that leads to your particular point of view beyond basketball. Beyond what's going on on the floor. It's just something, whether it's, you know, Legos or dress or whatever. I'm telling you. Yeah, you can't be that soft. You got to get in there and work. You weren't allowed to do anything last night. They were protecting Embiid like he was a baby in a crib. A 7-foot, 280-pound baby in a crib. (laughs) Pacers got past it. Seriously. Eight on five last night. I know you hear that all the time. You hear that all the time on the high school level. I always get a big kick out of it. Seriously, if you had a rivalry in high school, anybody else play in a sectional in high school? Yeah, now we're going way back where some of the better stories of your high school era are growing up around here in the state of Indiana, high school basketball-wise, is explaining a tale about how you got screwed someplace. And I always talk about Bedford, Bedford, North Lawrence, there was no greater place in the state of Indiana where you would prepare to get screwed. And I love Bedford, too. I love Bedford because they're the lovers of the deliciously different treat known as Big Red. But there's no place in basketball in the day that you would get a solid screwing than you would in the sawmill in Bedford. Those are great stories, though, seriously. Even if they're not all 100% true. Last night was 100% true, and the Pacers got over. It was more than just a win last night. It really was, again, on a variety of levels. We'll talk with you about that coming up on the other side. I mentioned Bowen in the 5 o'clock hour. Matt Painter is going to join us here in the 4 o'clock hour. A lot of stuff to talk about with the Boilermakers, and Matt joins us at 4 o'clock today. Matt Painter. I think they're leaving for Honolulu for the Maui Invitational I think either tomorrow or Friday, one of the two. I'll have to ask him. Uh, Matt Painter in the 4 o'clock hour. Somebody that played for him. Raphael Davis. Raphael Davis of the Big Ten Network is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the Big Ten, how it looks so far, the landscape of college basketball, and more. So, a lot of hoop coming up. Don't go anywhere. James over there. Tomorrow on the road, I'll tell you where we're going to be in a variety of ways in which you can tune in. The stream, the app. The Winshuler Spreadable Cheese's Lounge. What's YouTube Live. HD Radio, if you have that in your car, truck, or van, it is absolutely spectacular. At 93.5 and 107, find the fan.
6: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
2: The Ride with JMV. You just got your asses whipped by a bunch of damn nerds. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Matt Painter, top of the hour, before they embark on their trek to Honolulu for the Maui Invitational, which, by the way, is loaded. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline right now, in fact, I think you just heard him in a promo with Quarian Company from the Big Ten Network, the former Boilermaker, Raphael Davis, joins us. So I'm counting on you being even better than the awesomeness of that promo. Are you up to the task? Are you ready?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I got you. Nah, I, I appreciate that. that.
0: Thank <laughs> you. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm good to go with it right now. Hey, when you look around, I know it's very small sample size of what we've seen so far with Big Ten teams. Give me a couple of things that stand out to you.
3: Um. If I was just to name a few things, it would be the lack of athleticism. If I'm being negative, it would be um, the lack of athleticism, the lack of shooting, and then the uh, the lack of growth from a lot of the older guys within the league. I think a lot of the younger guys have made a good jump. I think you think of some of the freshmen and sophomores, like a Brandon Smith, like a Doug McDaniel, Bruce, a Bruce from Ohio State. I think a lot of those guys, I mean, you can even see it in flashes a little bit with C.J. Gunn at some time. So I think that freshman group really made a jump into their sophomore season. But I think those older guys, some of them that were expected to do a lot this season, they're struggling early. And I think for those teams, they need those older guys to play well. To win.
0: Now, not at the top. I would not expect it this way. But overall, would you describe this start as maybe us getting into a bit of a down season compared to others in recent history for the conference as a whole?
3: No, I wouldn't say that. I would just say uh, this is a year where I came into it thinking that one, the Big Ten will have to grow throughout the year because a few teams are dependent on young guys. And when you're, it's tough. Like, I tell, I've been telling guys that I haven't seen a young guy coming to the league, I mean, where, since I've played in it, coming to the league and really affect winning, maybe since, um, I mean, the Baby Boilers. I mean, they had three of them. They came in, they affected winning right away. And then you think about, like, a Deandre Russell individually in Ohio State. He came in, and he affected winning right away. But it's tough. Even a great point guard like Cassius Winston, I think, played 18, 20 minutes a game as a freshman. So, I mean, sometimes it takes time to grow into the role. And the Big Ten, Ohio State is dependent on freshmen. I mean, Indiana is dependent on freshmen. Michigan State is dependent on freshmen. So, those teams that are dependent on those guys are going to take time. Even the Maryland. A Maryland is dependent on Jamie Kaiser and Deshaun Harris-Smith. The Rutgers is dependent on a guy So, I think with those teams, it's just going to take time. But this was a year where I thought that the Big Ten would have a few teams competing for one, two, and three seeds. I I could see Purdue, Michigan State, Illinois competing for one, two, threes, and then maybe you get a couple teams with some lower seeds. But I didn't see this year as being a team where you're going to get a year where you're going to get ten teams in.
0: So, Raphael Davis of the Big Ten Network, the former Boiler, I want to talk about your your former team in just a second, but you you ran past a little bit of IU, and my, my take was this, and maybe it's inaccurate. I had somebody that's an IU fan it basically suggest that I was being too hard on the way that they looked, for example, on Sunday against Army because it's still very early in the season and you've got so many new faces there. Uh, my retort was, yeah, but you should never really look like that at home against that team no matter what. Right. Was that a fair assessment?
3: I mean, yeah, Army came into the came into. The- Came into that game as a team that didn't score the ball much. I mean, they had already been pounded once. I mean, and I like coach. I like coach at Army, and they have they have they have guys that were coming back home to Indiana, so that's always a an added punch, and it's always an added motivation. Those guys are always going to play hard, but I think with Indiana, I guess the uh, some of their some of their mistakes from their older guys, I guess, aren't acceptable. I mean. Trey Galloway and Xavier uh, Johnson—they gotta know what's going on at all times. I mean, McKenzie and Baco is getting lost on defense, and there's not there's not a guy that's pulling him to the side and putting him where putting him where he needs to be. And I think at times you need that. But for Indiana, I think um, I just think it's a struggle offensively because they have um, they only have, they're playing with really one primary ball handler. And you think about Xavier Johnson, the balls in his hand, and I think that's why. They've been finishing the game with Gabe Cups because he's a guy that can handle the basketball. He's a guy that's used to making plays, and Indiana can't. And I was this guy. I was a play-hard guy. I was a defensive player of the year, whatever. But you're not, you're not going to get a different Trey Galloway. Trey Galloway is who he is. He's played hard. He defends. He can make a shot. He's going to get to his floater. But you can't expect him to be this offensive of jerk they may need him to be, and even uh, Xavier Johnson, he is who he is as a player, so I think for Indiana to reach those heights, McKenzie Baco just has to grow in his role. He has to grow. He has to learn how to play on the wing. He isn't a guy that in high school, he was handling a bunch. He was being set up, lobs, open shot, high school-level competition, and now with you what know, fans don't think about, it's not, it's not you don't come to college and it's not just about learning the plays or learning the sets or learning the defensive schemes. Some of these guys, every single possession. For them to get there, especially freshmen who do play through their athleticism through shot make. See defensive schemes down, the defense looks better. And then when they start using their defense, or, I think Indiana has to run more so they don't get bogged down in the half court. But in the half court, Malik Renew and David Johnson, they gotta get people where they need to be in order to make certain plays.
0: It's uh Rafael Davis to the Big Ten Network with us one final question regarding IU uh, Mike Woodson had mentioned after the win over Army on Sunday that you know, he wants to get out and run he doesn't want to play this much in in the half court are, are they capable right. further down the road of doing that because it and maybe it's because of what we've seen so far does not look conducive Rafael to that whatsoever do they have that in that on that roster to be able to do that more run the what run the oh, basketball yeah, they, they offensively
3: yeah, they have to run. I mean, that's their that's going to be their mo is to get stops. But in order to run, you got to get stops. You got to rebound the basketball at a high level defensively. You can't allow offensive rebounds. You can't turn the ball over. You got to be able to get the ball and go. And then also, at times, you got to have more than one ball handler in the game. And you see with Indy, you see with the past nowadays. I think I mean it's because they have two ball handlers. Zach Eadie gets to read. Yeah for Moons if he's close. He looks for Brandon Smith if he's close. You just have one primary guy. The, he, he's expecting that ball every time. So the, everybody knows it's going to him. You know what I mean? You can set your defense. You can set it around him. He doesn't get the ball. He's not used to just running without it. So I think um, the more stops they get, the better they will run. I think it starts there. I think Khalil Ware is an elite elite rim protector. And I think um, they've just got to find a way to get him going in the open court. But I think that's where you get a freshman to kind of learn a little bit more, figure it out. I mean, is going to be really good in the open floor and transition. And I think that's where he can grow. But I, I do, um, through all of this, through the negative, through the this type of play, we, you have learned that Gabe Cups is not a chump. Gabe Cups is tough. He's, he can make a shot, he, he'll take a shot. He'll. Is... Yeah. In early games, you kind of find those guys. I think Gabe Cups really earned his keep again in these last few games.
0: He is Raphael Davis with us, the former Boilermaker from the Big Ten Network on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So we saw when Purdue beat Xavier on Monday night, Xavier stayed. Closer or within, I guess, subjective type of striking distance by knocking down a couple of deep threes. One was, was banked in there, but otherwise it was Purdue kind of moving away. Do you like the way the early season schedule sets up? Because this Maui Invitational is absolutely loaded. Xavier's no joke, whom they played on Monday night. Do you like the way to help get this team connected early? They're playing tougher competition back-to-back-to-back to back to back, as they're going to be doing here?
3: I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what you want as a player. I mean, as a coach, as a program, you want to go out and play good basketball games. I think you learn more about your team against better competition compared to when uh, we may beat a team by 25, 30 points and come in the next day and not even watch the film. So, I mean, I think even if you are in a close game like you are with Xavier, you pull away. You still can learn learn a lot from that film. So, and then for college players, that's what you come. To, that's what you come to college for. That's what you go to Purdue for to play high level competition night in, night out, playing high level arenas, playing these mm-hmm. events. Because like, I could, I still remember going to Maui. I go. I remember going to Maui, playing against Coach Weber, losing to Kansas State, and then beating Missouri, beating by, BYU on the buzzer beater. And those are some of the memories that stick with you. So I think. Um, It's great. I think Purdue's been playing great. I think the addition of Lance Jones has has done a couple things. It's um, it's taking the pressure offensively off of Fletcher Lawyer to where now, Fletcher Lawyer last season was schemed against a lot. He was given the best wing defender each game towards later in the season. And You had your best wing defender guarding Fletcher Lawyer, and this season your best wing defender will guard Lance Jones. And I think that's going to free up Fletcher a bunch. He didn't shoot it that well against Xavier, but he'll make open shots and then I think with Lance Jones also it gets Purdue a guy that can just go get one go get us a bucket put the ball in his hand make a playoff or dribble whether it's for himself or whether it's for somebody else just someone that you have to defend you're not leaving Lance Jones open he's made over 1,500 points he's made over 200 threes you got to respect him in this season I assume he shoots it better because he'll have a better I mean have more open looks and then even offensively the ball's just not in Braden Smith's hand every time. I just said they can get he can get the ball and run. He can break a press. Although he's not maybe the best offensive initiator, he can handle a press. He knows what's going on. So now you have two ball handlers there. And then defensively, now he guards the best wing. He's athletic, he can guard a one to the three. I mean even with the Braden Smith or Fletcher Lawyer, now they don't have to guard those quick small guards that they have trouble with. Now, Lance can take them. So, I think Lance has done a great job. I think Cam Heidi and Miles Colvin, I think they've added that athleticism to this team. I mean, you think about that lob, Lance Jones through to Cam Heidi. We haven't seen much of that from Purdue's wings over the last, I mean, for a long time. I mean, so now they're running and gunning, they're at the wing, and sometimes Purdue was so Zach e. post up uh, or kick out three. Now they have cutters off of a post-up. And then Braden Smith being ultra-aggressive off of the ball screen has, uh, has been really impressive. He, when he's aggressive and they're not just playing through Zach, it makes them a better team. It's
0: so, Ray Davis of the Big Ten Network. Next time you're in studio is
3: when? Uh, tomorrow night. Uh, I'll be in the studio tomorrow night, and then uh, we get going again. Well done.
0: All right, man. We'll stay in contact over the course of this season because we're just getting started. I appreciate you dropping in here in Indy this afternoon.
3: Oh, no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. And just um, FYI, if um, you have any listeners, my um, nonprofit foundation, and we're raising money just in the Indianapolis City Colts to Nationals. We go to Nationals. Um, it's our, our football team for our nonprofit, 10 years old, uh, Thirty boys were traveling in nationals next month, and uh, if you'd like to learn more or donate, go to
0: RayfieldDavisBasketball dot is where people need to go. Yes, sir. You got it. Appreciate you, Rayfield. I appreciate it. Thank you. So, Raphael Davis of the Big Ten Network right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Matt Painter going to join us coming up at the top of the hour. You do not want to miss that. And Kevin Bowen here in the 5 o'clock hour as well. Got calls on the other side. Got some more thoughts regarding the Pacer win last night being more in the month of November than just getting a road win. I'll explain that once again, and you guys have some thoughts at 239-1070 coming up next. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
6: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: The Ride with JMV. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this
0: and totally redeem yourself. (laughs)
2: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
0: Turn it up for me, James. Who's this, James? I have no idea. I had a little horse in here. You don't have any idea who this is? Not, I've never heard have of Have you ever Boy. heard of the Beastie Boys, James? I have heard
4: of the Beastie Boys.
0: <sighs> Generational <laughs> gap of Canyon-esque proportions right here.
1: Is this Beastie Boys?
0: <laughs> you just tried to rub it in over there or well, what? So I'll be honest. Is the only, this the Beastie Boys? The only
4: Beastie Boys song I know is, what is it, Sabotage?
0: Yeah, Sabotage. You've never heard... Paul Revere. No. By the Beastie Boys. I've never heard this before. Uh, you've never heard anything from Licensed to Ill before. No. You've never heard. Uh, you got to fight for your right to party. I may have heard All that right. I, I hope you've heard, heard at least one. heard that. That's been played a thousand mm-hmm. times. Now, the best song off of this date back in 1986, License to Ill, was released. And I think most of us out there, at least generationally speaking, along my age bracket, went out and immediately got it. And the best song, I think, of the catalog of License mm-hmm. to Ill would be... Paul Revere. Uh, JMV, my annual tweet, my first wife got so tired of me playing this album that she yanked the cassette tape out and threw it out the window of my 69 GTO. (laughs) Hey, James, you ready for this? Nate Thomas says, where do you find these people? (laughs) (laughs) I do need to teach uh, a music education course not appreciation but education i think i'd sit in on i that gotta left. get that do i gotta get that going here somehow some way uh 86 and licensed to ill i have no idea who that is the beastie boys i jmv at 1075 5 Uh, JMV, great win last night, much better defense and rebounding. Really, I just loved how Halliburton had miles back in the fourth. And not back in the fourth, but had his back in the fourth. Here's what Robert is saying. Never seen anyone do that for miles. Like saying, I know you have been struggling. I got your back. I'm giving you the ball every time down. Don't care if you want it or not. You're a major piece to this, and we need you right here. Love the game, love the show. That's from Rob. Rob, that's exactly right. There was so much overcome in that game last night with that win. So much overcome. So that's gonna be a big one. I'm gonna look back on that often, I think. Last night. Last night was a big one with all that they, again, had to overcome. And they did just that. And I don't know what it means. They're in the driver's seat of Group A in the East, which in the in season tournament sounds pretty fantastic, all right. It's so a Mad Painter top of the hour. Chris at two three nine ten seventy joins the show. Hello, Chris. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good
5: until James made me feel about a hundred years old just now, not knowing who the Beastie Boy is.
0: Yeah, I'm did. telling you what, James. James is doing that to everybody here.
5: Oh man. Um, but, no, yeah, as you were saying, great win last night. Uh, our, our Miles Turner haters were going to have a field day with him until he came out and absolutely balled in the fourth quarter. He did. Af- after being picked on by the rest. I don't know what you're supposed to do other than stand there with your hands up when um beads coming through your chest, but whatever. Got the W anyway. Halliburton is that guy. He is. Um, uh, I had a couple of questions for you. uh, wanted to get your opinion. One, can you explain to me what the significance of this in-season tournament is? Because I have no idea what it even means. I know we're 2-0, and oh, and I, I know <laughs> we're sitting in, in the group, but yeah. I'm not – Exactly how it
2: works
0: yeah it um it, it, the significance of it is they're trying to build uh, more interest in in the times of year especially this november time of year when everything else is going on and they believe with the nba it will take a back seat so they're just trying something different here i don't know if this is going to work um at all uh, but we'll I, I guess we'll see as I, I i do i'm going to 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 not Pass any judgment until I see how this goes and ends here. But uh, yeah, they've offered up, you know, money to those that that win. Um, I don't know if it's going to be significant enough to some of those guys that get paid an incredible amount to really care about. But uh, they're trying to make it more interesting for the fans. Well,
5: it, it did seem like at least the intensity was turned up a little bit last night in that game. It was. It
0: was, it was I, they, guy, that was that good shot. for the Pacers. That was all around Very good for good. the Pacers last night. It was.
5: And then my other thing I want to get your opinion on is our in-season tournament jerseys. I've heard a lot of people thinking that they look good. Personally, I think they look like crap because they went with the, the Jaguars color scheme. and I, I can't stand seeing it on an Indiana team. Uh, other than that, love the show listen to you every day keep doing what you're doing
0: have a great day man chris thank you very much if you're on hold i'll get to you regarding last night and more coming up kevin bowen of the five o'clock hour the boilermaker head coach matt painter joins us coming up next
6: life is so much more than a diagnosis it's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy all hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
2: The Ride with JMV.
1: Attention whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency
0: calls only. The- Lady,
2: do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? 93.5 and 107.5 The
0: Fan. Kevin Bowen's going to be here at the 5 o'clock hour. Raphael Davis a little bit earlier. That podcast at 107.5TheFan.com. Uh, tomorrow, our city bourbon locks, Azul, tequila shots, the president of Winshuler's spreadable cheeses, the spreadabilities in the house. We're going to be at Taylor's Bar and Table. With Brent Holverson, me and you tomorrow in Ingalls, Indiana. I would love to see you up there. So, Ingalls, everybody around, Hancock, Madison, Marion, Hamilton County, join us up there. It's going to be a blast tomorrow. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline, getting ready to head out to Honolulu, Hawaii for the Maui Invitational. We welcome back to the show, friend of the show, the head coach of the Boilermakers, Matt Painter. Matt, thanks for the time. How are you?
7: Doing good, doing good. Thanks for having me on. What do we know
0: about this 3-0 squad? And I guess most recently, what did we find out with that Monday night encounter at home against Xavier?
7: Yeah, I thought, um, obviously, they Sean does a great job, and they only have one guy playing for him that, that played for him last year. They have a couple guys, they're four and they're five, that are out. He's added some really good pieces, and, um, you know, I thought, from their standpoint, I, you know, they made three, they made three shots at the end of shot clocks, three threes. One banked in by the way, too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that kind of, kind of it kept them in the game. We never really could get that separation, and then those were three pretty big plays, and, um, but I thought we did a good job. You know, I after watching the tape, I didn't think we were, I thought we were better defensively after the game than we actually were. I think we got a lot of room to make strides there, and we had some shots, but we had some some um, some ones early that we you know we got caught up in the crowd and and took you know shots that were tough when we didn't have to. So we we just got to be, I think, a little bit more patient sometimes especially early in the clock. I'm I'm a big proponent of shooting early threes, but not early contested threes. Um, You know, you just got to probe the defense. You got to get the ball to the paint in some capacity. And uh, when you're doing that, you're really playing in other people's hands. So, but just normal beginning of the year type things to where you're just not quite polished on, on both ends of the court and you're trying to get better, but that holds true for everybody. And so it's not something where it's a Purdue issue. It's just a college basketball issue starting the season. And you don't want to miss any steps as a coach. Like you want it from a process base, um, you know, you start all over. And you have to be fundamentally sound. You have to be able to play to your strengths. And then more than anything, we have a lot of experience. you got to know what you're doing. Like We have to be able to use our experience as an advantage because we're all on the same page. There's a lot of things that go on basketball because basketball's not that hard of a game to understand. Um, but you have to be on the same page. So it's not one of those conflicted things. Well, we should do this or we should do that. Okay, here's what we're doing. And everybody has to be able to buy into that and understand that. And you get some gray area in basketball, whether you're reading situations or or doing things where you know, you know, it, instinctually you got to be able to make a play. And then there's other areas where you got to do what you're supposed to. If you're supposed to stay tight in the ball screen, stay tight in the ball screen. Supposed to have four high hands up on a post double, have four high hands up. When you get off that grid or you get away from those things, that's where we have problems, and that's where players will say, "Well, coach, what what should I do here?" And I always go, well, I don't have a really good solution for you after you do what you're not supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, what do we do here? Do we put bad on top of bad? Do we put good on top of bad? Right. Well, you started with bad. And so, and, and that is something you'll hear coaches talk about a lot. Well, we we we're getting disconnected, especially defensively. But it's on both ends of the court. You know, you stay connected when you do what you're supposed to do. And it's not that you, you know you can't read things or take advantage of things or see something as a player because you can, but when it's not there, you got to stay connected. And when you do that, you don't surprise your teammates. Everybody understands things, and that's how you grow as, as a team. When you see team that kind of exceed, maybe their individual parts and collectively are better. That's why they're better. They're better because they're not having any of that dissension. They don't have people that get off that grid. They don't have people that, you know, just are absent minded and don't pay attention to scouting reports when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. That's how you grow and you become an elite team. And that's what we're striving to do. We're not there yet. I don't think anybody's there yet, especially after watching the games last night. Um, because you see really, really talented, especially really talented young guys that can just do some unbelievable things, but then you can tell they're fragmented a little bit just because the discipline and the experience isn't quite there.
0: So I'm Matt Painter, the Boilermakers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I want to get back to the, the early clock threes. I, I would have to think in this era of basketball in which we're in, and you and I are nearly the same age, so we, we did grow up in a different era, uh, and there, mm-hmm. there's been significant changes. How how difficult is it to even coach up your own to describe to them what an early clock clock bad three is considering we live in a world with mostly early clock bad threes at times
2: (laughs) there there you go
7: you know you just watch you know a lot of it's situational you want to have that sprint work to where you're the step in three is the highest percentage three and that's what your transition is those kick ahead threes or just step in threes especially when you go inside out in the post like that's what you want you can get it a lot of different ways like you can get a penetration pass those are the ones that when you're open and you got to shoot them because those are high percentage ones you're in rhythm it's not contested Um, so that's what we're really trying to do we're trying to push that basketball kick it ahead even if you get to a deep dribble now you can get that trail three which is a high percentage three we've played through the post and we play through ball screens so you can get them a lot of different ways but um, when you take the 30 footer and you're contested And it just, you know, it kind of kills you, uh, to be frank with you, because now that guy is contested. You're more or less waving a flag like no one else out there can shoot the basketball or play or give us an efficient um, possession on offense, which isn't true. So but if you're taking those and, and they're good ones and they're on the arc and they're high percentage, they're also high percentage rebound situations, too. So, you got to look at the flip of things when the ball doesn't go in. And a lot of people don't do that. And a lot of people speak without having analytics next to them, which is, you know, it's not borderline dangerous, it's dangerous. Um, Because you got to be able to encourage people that are good shooters when they they're going through a slump or they're not, you know, making them that you do believe in them because they have made them before and it makes sense for them. And water's going to find its level. Like if they've missed and they've had three games and there's someone you've recruited and someone you have watched and you believe that they're a good shooter, you, you, you got to have that confidence. You know, people are very knee jerk in today's society. Like, well, he stinks and he can't shoot. And No, that's not the case. He doesn't stink, and he can shoot, and the greatest go through slumps. And now you've got to be positive with him. But what you have to do is look at – don't just take somebody's percentage. So this has been something that gets lost. And you say, okay, he shoots 40% from three. Well, he should be able to shoot those. Well, okay, if he shoots dribble up threes from 30 feet, what's his percentage? I don't want the whole of his percentage. I want the dribble up 30-footer. What's that percentage? Well, that percentage is 20. And, you know, and it's not a high volume of them, but it's enough to where he's shooting 40%. Well, what if he just didn't take those? Or he took more of the good ones, right? Right, right. Because you shouldn't be passing on the good ones. So that's what gets, okay, you have a three-point percentage. Okay, what's your percentage on step-in threes when the ball's getting passed out of the post? Right. What's your percentage of your dribble up in transition? What's your percentage of coming off? Uh, single singles on the baseline whatever it might be there can be three categories there can be seven categories there now find out what is the ones that he's making the most and let's try to get more of those and then let's put the other ones in the attic next to the baseball cards and not shoot them anymore and so sometimes people look at that like ah you're taking something away like no i'm making you more efficient I'm not telling you not to shoot. I'm telling you to take more of the ones that you make and take less of the ones or eliminate the ones that are low percentage. Because what, what kids will do to you, and they do it at all levels to coaches, is they shoot a pretty good percentage. And then they'll make one. They'll make one of those tough ones. And they'll look at you like you're crazy. And the whole thing is, I never said you were 0% on you know yes. pull-up 30-footers. You're 20% which doesn't make sense to keep shooting them. And so they will take outlier type data and try to like equate that to making, you know, cause this isn't about you taking a shot. This is about you taking a shot that makes, that makes a whole lot of sense for our team to win a game. <laughs> That's yeah. what it gets to yeah. like, like, you know, be able to see past your own nose. And those are the type of things, those hard discussions you got to have with guys, but also keep their spirit about them and keep their confidence. And so it's uh, something that's very important as a coach. to uh, to be clear when you're speaking because you don't want that ripped away from them. You want them to feel good about themselves, but you also want them to take the best shot for Purdue, not necessarily the best shot for them.
0: Uh, Matt Painter is with us too. You mentioned playing through the post and you get a lot of kickouts from Zach and and you get a lot of open three looks. How how often do you as a good offensive rebounding team have something similar to happen? Because it seems like so many teams to me get burned by the three and really consistently at, 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 let's just say a higher percentage level with all offensive glasswork and a kick out to somebody stepping into a three, which for a lot of these guys at this level can be
7: consistent to like layups. I mean, it's just an easy shot. Yeah, no question. And that's something that you'll see people that won't double him. And you'll be like, oh, you got to double him. And they'll be like, well, they're just kind of picking their poison because they don't like those step-in threes. They don't like – because if you're allowing a lot of three-point attempts, you know, at the end of the game, like – coaches will tell you this, you know, you make five or six threes, they could care less. But if you're going to make 12 or 13, that's going to be the difference in the game a lot of times. Like if, you know, you're, you're giving up, you know, mid thirties to mid forties on threes, like that's in a college game, that's that's tough to overcome. So they'll want to just simply take our threes out and then be as physical as they can with him. You know, you get officials that are going to call it by the letter of the law. You know, we're going to live at the free throw line. Then if you get some guys that just, you know, let him, get annihilated down there it's a little bit different he's got to be able to play through that contact he's got to be able to keep scoring that basketball while he's getting fouled but um, it's a it's a good dilemma right like you go back and forth and you argue about what you like should do that's why in in our case if you are going to double and you are going to get into rotations it goes back to your question is high rotation teams aren't great defensive rebounding teams Because they're constantly scrambling, they're constantly rotating, and they don't have great rebound balance with it. We dive our four. 80, 90% of the time. And the reason why is you want the second biggest guy on the floor to be in the best rebounded position. If he does get through it or shots there. Now you got your four and five, just living at the block right there. You got a couple guys getting back. You got your point guard coming into the keyhole, And so like now you have formed that offensive triangle, which you're trying to get those long rebounds and the rebounds at the rim. And you're putting people in those positions. So um, not fouling is really important. And then getting fouled is really important. And I know that's a profound statement. Yeah. But a lot of times people get away from that and the understanding of, like, man, do you, like, you just keep going to this with Braden Smith and the ball screen or you just keep going with this with Zach Eady in the post. Well, when it comes down to it, if, if it's a high efficient play for both of those guys, but it's also a high efficient play for us. Then it's a high offensive rebound percentage play for us even when it doesn't work for us and we score it gives us the best chance to set our defense so you got to look at how well are we scoring it how well are we rebounding it and then are we able to set our defense and keep you out of transition and then make you earn points in the half court so it's it's the total package right there when you look at the efficiency of offensive possessions that are
0: important. So Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers, they get Gonzaga coming up on Monday and the Maui Invitational in Honolulu in Hawaii. Again, that's on Monday. Matt's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You mentioned uh, connectivity with your guys and trying to find that early. Uh, is it better off when you play a team, for example, like Xavier, especially one that knocks down some, some threes, one banked in that right. keeps them within striking distance? And then what you're going to see, Matt, in Hawaii, because that is as loaded a Maui Invitational that I think we have seen in a long time. Does that help expedite the connectivity you're looking for or, or what level of competition watch? What are you exactly looking for, you know, before you get officially into the Big Ten in terms of that connectivity?
7: Yeah, well, the level of competition is always, you know, a big play right there. But also different styles, like seeing different styles bring different issues. Um, and sometimes it's not that big of an issue for you. Sometimes it is, it just depends. Are they bigger? Are they quicker? Um, what kind of, what do they run? Some people will run a lot of the same stuff. So when you see a lot of the same stuff, you're going to keep getting, getting better at it or you're not when you're not. Now you got to figure out, okay, what are we doing here? And I always talk to our players about that. If you do what we say to do and it doesn't work, I know I got to change. I know I got to change. Okay, within the game. And so, like, but if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, how do I know if it works or not? Obviously, I'm not going into something with a game plan that that I haven't seen it work, especially against somebody like them. So when you get to that, that's why it's so important that you do your job. Because now when it doesn't work, you're like, man. Or it's kind of a pick-your-poison type stuff. When you get against elite people, like if you go to try to take everything away and you're just not great at it, you're going to end up taking nothing away. Like you've got to figure out, okay, what can we take away and what are we going to struggle a little bit more? Because if you fight everything at times, now you fight nothing. And, and it's really, really hard. Now you'll be like, okay, you know, we played – Michigan state one year and Raphael Davis was a good defender and I put Raphael on their two guard and they thought that we were crazy by, by doing that. And I just thought Denzel Valentine had gotten so good that, um, I didn't think Raphael was going to stop him either. And I love Raphael. He's a great defensive player, but I just was like, man, I still think he's going to get 20 here like on him. So we put him on their two guard and he shut him down And then Denzel got 30 and we were lucky to be able to win. But I didn't want two people, you know, kind of going off at that time. You get in those dilemmas, not a lot. You get into, that's kind of rare. You you get into like great coach, great program, great player, right? And and so you're not always stuck there um, in, in normal scenarios. But when you play Arkansas and you play Xavier before you get to Maui, that's really important for us because elite athleticism, great coaching, you know, a hostile environment obviously in, in Arkansas. Those things are really gonna help you when you when you go to the tournament. But, you know, you still gotta you still gotta play better than them. You gotta shoot better than them. You gotta defend better than them. Um, you know, those things are gonna be so important when you're playing, you know, at a neutral court versus type of uh, caliber of talent.
0: Yeah, they've had a lot of guys at Gonzaga obviously as they do every year move up to the, the NBA level. Um what's this Gonzaga team look like this season from what you've seen so far on tape?
7: Uh, just, you know, up-tempo, pushing the basketball, you know, good guards, um, good size. You know, they they, they have very good depth um, on their team. they got some guys that are unproven, that haven't played a lot, but like from watching on tape, they're good players. Um, he's not in the business of taking bad players. So if you've checked Gonzaga out here for the past 30 years, they they've had really, really good players, and he does a fabulous job with them, and they really, really push the tempo. And they're just coming at you. They're on the hunt at all times. They do good in their ball screen motion. They're looking to attack. They got bigs that can shoot threes. They got bigs that can post. They got guards that can make plays. So this is not going to be one of those deals where it's going to be like one guy. You know, like you look at them last year and you're like, well, Drew Timmy's so important for them. and But their guard play is good, man. Nemhard's a good yeah. player. transfer transferred from Creighton. Hickman um, is, is a really good guard that we faced last year anton watson um very very experienced very inside outside type guy um, that causes problems for you but Braden huff is a big kid you know from chicagoland area um, that has really played well for him here early in the season um they got the transfer the big kid from wyoming um that, that can score on the interior made a three other day in their game against eastern oregon so they, they have good pieces and i'm leaving out about five or six guys that can really play but It's going to be a tough matchup.
0: So, what are you looking for from your backcourt moving forward this year, playing off? And I'm talking about obviously, you know, Braden and and Fletcher here moving forward as sophomores. Yeah.
7: You know, just growing uh, more than anything. Obviously, they went through a lot as as freshmen, um, you know, being confident in themselves, looking, you know, looking to be aggressive and picking the, you know, the times when to be aggressive and when to move the basketball. I think versus set defense, you really, we got to get better ball movement. Um, But when we have advantages, whether it's through running sets or um, getting people into closeouts or whatever, you know, those guys got to be really aggressive for us, not necessarily for themselves, but just for us, you know, whether they're shooting or passing the, you know, the basketball. Um, But no, they're, both really good players, and obviously they, they got a great opportunity to be able to, to play right away for us and, and be able to grow, and this is what we're doing. Like you you want to be able to have young guys establish themselves and then grow through your program, um, but just get better You know, from game to game and year to year.
0: You know, it's interesting, too. You you mentioned how much you want to get to to the free throw line. How much do you expect Zach to get to the free throw line? And you mentioned something a little bit earlier, too, about it does depend on the type of whistle that you're getting. You know, if somebody's going by the letter of the rule or if somebody's a little bit loosely based on this. How often do you expect him game to game to get
3: there, though?
7: You know, I, I don't have an actual number. Obviously, we had the best free throw disparity in the country last year. We led the country in fewest fouls. He gets fouled a lot. Um, the only thing that I ask, and I've said this to the, you know, the, the NCAA yeah. the guy who runs the whole thing, I, I say it to our, you know, guy in the big 10 office, you know, whoever, whoever's in charge, right? Yeah. Are the rules the same for him as it is for everybody else? Because they're supposed to be right. There's no separation. Like, you know, there they, 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 just isn't. And the answer is always the same, right? And I'm like, yeah. well, I can send you a lot of clips where it looks like he has a different set of rules. And that's all that we ask is that he gets called the same way as everybody else does. And it, it just doesn't happen until people get really educated on, on refereeing. Where they where they mess up most of the time is they think it's somebody's call. So, like, if he gets it in into the post, he's so freaking big that he'll swallow people up. And so that guy on the baseline that sits there, he has to look through all of that and then he doesn't blow his whistle. Your guy that's on the out, especially diagonally, not necessarily the trail. He, I don't, I don't know the, the proper word for it, so I apologize to all <laughs> officials that do. Yeah. I'm not an official. I'll get um, I'll get
0: 15 texts coming up here in just a second from all these officials. There you go.
7: Got the He's got to be able to come in there and help him. Yeah. Especially if he doesn't have anything in his area, and they just don't. And he has that perfect, you know, angle right there to look through there because you get a lot of. They're allow that arm bar. You get a lot of jersey grabs. You get a lot of hooks right there. You get a lot of knees. Um, you get two hands in the back pushing. So what they'll do is some officials won't call the two hands in the back push, which is an, it's supposed to be an absolute, and it's not an absolute. So they'll just push him in the back, and then when the ball comes, their push has already happened. They anticipate it, and then they show their hands real quick. So they get him two to three feet off, which a referee that understands basketball understands if you're shooting a jump hook at six feet versus a jump hook at 10 feet, it's a big difference. But if you get guys that don't understand basketball, they'll be like, well, I'm waiting for him. I don't want to take that away from him. I'm like, well, if he's got a dunk, like I'm I'm with you, but he's got a 10 foot post up because he pushed him two hands in the back or he need him up the lane. And so those little subtle things, well, coaches are going to watch and they're going to see like, You know, especially if they got some bigs that are expendable, we might as well do this and see if the refs will call it because it makes more sense to do that. Because if they call it by the letter of the law and they do those things, they're, they're obvious, you know, automatic fouls. And so like you get into that a little bit where I get with him is not worrying about it. Like, don't worry about it. That doesn't enter your mind. I'm expected to get fouled. I'm expected for them not to call it, and I'm going to keep playing, and I'm still going to score the basketball. What he gets is people that won't help. They won't help, and they'll stay with him. So shots go up, they stay with him. Drives come to the rim, they stay with him. That's why on our cuts and our drives, we got to be aggressive because at times there's no rim protection because people don't want to get a body off him. Hey, hey Matt, how
0: often do you have to, how should I put this, re-solidify your stance in terms of how Zach is officiated game to game?
7: About three times a year. Okay. About three times a year. you got to, like, give your Jerry Maguire mission statement to the world. (laughs) Yeah. You know, because it's, it's ridiculous, and, like, people will put it, like, on you like you're not fighting it like you're trying to be diplomatic, like you can send clips, you can talk about it, you can do whatever. But if you get somebody out there that just doesn't understand how to ref post-play or to ref people like them, like you'll get some old refs that have ref Shaquille O'Neal, which you're like, whoa, whoa, you know, okay, you've been doing it for a while. Right. Or they've ref somebody of, of size, you know, that, that gives these type of issues with it. But, you know, there's a lot of big guys that are huge that just aren't that good at basketball players. And so they don't get into this world. They're like, well, I rep this guy. And this guy, like, well, those two guys stink. They're no good. Like, this guy's a good player. He's huge and he's a good player. And you're given a different set of rules because – you know, he's seven four three hundred, 300. And the other guys aren't. The other guys get it quick. They get the first whistle. They get it knocked out. They call a couple quick in the game. Opposing coach doesn't like it. But they're calling obvious things that they're going to call for the other team. The other team just doesn't put them in position that way because he's, you know, they're, they're not as physical. They're not as big. And they're not as good.
0: So I'm Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers. I know you got her under practice. And I, I got one more thing, and I, I know you've probably been asked this before. You and I haven't talked since the off season. And I two weeks ago I explained, for example, what, what Bob Knight meant to me growing up. And I, I that was right. the first time I ever got involved in sports, watch sports, watch sports with my grandparents and started watching that. Um, you as a fan and then growing into a player and somebody that not only you know played against but also also, you know, coached against. What what did he mean from the early stages to you? What was Bob Knight to you?
2: It
7: wasn't as much from the early stages. I obviously grew up an Indiana fan. And um, you know, in nineteen eighty one when they, they beat Saint Joe's to go to the final four when they won it all. That was in it was in Assembly yeah, Hall. I was there. Which, yeah. So yeah, they you know, yeah. they had they had won the game before. Mark Aguire and DePaul yeah. got upset by Saint Joe's. And um, I was in the locker room afterwards. We had a family friend that was close with coach and we, I'm 11 years old and just in there with Landon Turner and Ray Tolbert and Isaiah Thomas. And, you know, they were going to the final four. And so like, you know, you, you grow up as a fan, but, but really it's, I'm no different than any high school coach in Indiana or anybody that's coach that has followed him. Like there isn't something that's out there that's been published from a book. Um, to something he did with Pete Newell, to video training, to, to you name it, you name it. Him and Pete Newell put together a lot of training books um, in like the early 80s, probably mid 80s, yeah. something yep. in there. And I have every single one of those. I have every single book. I have anything. If he's at a clinic, you get the tape like I've I've heard him like over and over and over. I run something that I I just kind of made up through a zone offense that's been really effective for us through the years. And it was a play that coach Katie had ran in just a one action. But then I took everything from him um, and how he taught his zone offense. And I incorporated that. And then I added my own twist of posting our five with the same actions. So I took his rules. I took coach Katie's one wrinkle. And then I added one thing of my own. And then through the year, it's just evolved, and it's and it's our majority of the time. Not majority of the time. When we're smaller, it is our it is our zone offense, and and so we run it. And so it's just like he has that kind of an influence, like in terms of how he taught the game. If you wanted to hike, if you wanted to hike your basketball IQ, he was a good person to start with, um, just his understanding and his ability to teach the game and talk the game. Um, you know, made us all better. And then through competition, he made Purdue better. Like that's something like a lot of people don't look at because they get into the rivalry of wanting to beat somebody and that's your rival and, you know, that's great. That's, that's good. I'm not someone who demonizes my opponent, um, even though it's, you know, you, you get fired up to play Indiana. Yeah. But there's no question that he made Gene Katie better and Gene Katie made him better and Indiana made Purdue better there's no There's no question about that, and uh, that growth is is what i 'm always looking for in our program and as me personally to get better so i'm always trying to learn and it's like testing a uh, like an hypothesis you believe in something well, show me the data that supports what you're saying like that's what you want to be able to always do, and you always got to be able to confirm things that you be you know you believe in you know you have a strong conviction how the game is played well he had an extremely strong conviction how the game was played and so like he would pop up and say we're you know in the 80s we're not going to ball screen and you and you would say well why not well no one said why not you just did it because he said so and now the ball screen became so prevalent you know, But he was going on a straight passing game, a straight motion game, playing without the basketball, moving without the basketball, and getting that movement and getting five people on the same page that understood angles, understood movement, understood setting up cuts, understood where they wanted to receive the basketball, and then being able to play through that through his strengths. Like one of the things that he would do through motion offense and through passing is that he wouldn't try to be traditional all the time. He'd go to his triangle game. He'd go to like a split game where they would drive the seam a lot of times, but like when he had Isaiah Thomas or he had Damon Bailey, he would post him. Like he understood about other people's strengths, especially best player strengths, and then he would try to utilize the thing, you know, utilize those actions, and and get away from some of the other things that have been so successful for him because he would have someone as good as Isaiah Thomas who was great in the low post, and you'd think, well, that's crazy. He's six one. Well. He's a different 6'1". He, You know, he's made differently. He's one of the best players to ever play the game at that, you know, at that size. So he utilized that. Damon was so good, you know, in that low post and being able to maneuver and manipulate and pass and score. So things of that nature are things that I've, I've really picked up on and, but, um, you know, anybody that has that kind of a basketball mind and that kind of a pedigree, you know, why wouldn't you want to learn from them if, you, if you're a coach?
0: That's fantastic from Matt Painter right there. And we were both at that St. Joe's game. You got to go to the locker room. I think I hung out with Bruce Pearl and his uh, Eagles mascot with Boston College. I think Bruce Pearl was in the – I think it was Bruce Pearl, right? The, that was in the Eagles, the uh, Golden Eagles mascot at the time there. That was Boston College. That yeah. wasn't St. Joe's. No, no. I think Boston College was also there with UAB, I believe. Oh, were they? Right? In that in that were
7: Original, I believe, yeah. Well, hell, I don't yeah, know. I, I never – I went yeah. to the game, and I know St. Joe's upset DePaul. I couldn't remember who, off the top of my head, who Indiana beat before that game. Maryland. I know they beat, they beat they they Maryland. Beat, it was Albert King beat, and Buck Williams. Yeah, they beat Maryland, Maryland bad. Yeah. But I didn't think it was that game. I thought the Maryland game was the first game. And then they played somebody the second game, and that was the third game to go. I think oh, they only had to play.
0: you might you might be right about that. I, just, I
7: know Maryland's the first game, and they and, and they, they beat the brakes off them guys. And they just had studs. Yeah, they did. Like, you know, Buck Williams, yeah. and like, yeah. you know, Albert King. Like, those guys were studs. And then they just they, they beat them bad. Yeah. Man, that's
0: cool, though. I, I never knew that you were there. Got inside the locker room, too. That's cool. I, I'm still floored at the fact that back then you could host a regional semifinal and final in your own building. That's incredible.
7: No question. Yeah, no
0: question. I I, I know you got to get to practice here. Uh, Safe travels to Hawaii. We'll be watching, and uh, we'll talk at you at some point when you get back, Matt. I always appreciate you. Thank you.
1: All right,
0: man. See you. It's uh, Matt Painter right there, the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always fantastic on the show. Quick break. We shall return with some thoughts on that and more with you. Ninety-three-five-one-zero-seven-five. The fan.
2: A ride with JMV. It's called Sex Panther by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's quite pungent. It stings the nostrils. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Raphael Davis, Matt Painter.
0: Podcast 107.5. thefan.com Matt, as always, really good on a variety of things. James over there. I'm John. Top of the hour. Kevin Bowen's going to be with us. We're going to be at Taylor's Bar and Table tomorrow. That's up in Ingalls, Indiana. It is our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots week number eleven. Me, Brent Halverson, our betting analyst, and the president of Win Schuler Spreadable Cheeses is going to join us up there tomorrow. With evidently, he's going to be bringing some recipes. So get ready, like the dishes and recipes. And especially those inside the lounge via YouTube Live, which has the sponsorship from Winshuler's. You guys got to come up there and meet the Prez tomorrow. Ingalls, Taylor's Bar and Table coming up tomorrow. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Week number 11 without the Colts, of course, in a bye week. And then the president of the Spreadability. Let me tell you this. The Spreadability has been so sweeping Central Indiana every time. Every time I mention it, I end up getting a picture from somebody at a Meyer or a Kroger either showing me the ample portions they have available or lack thereof. But the spreadability is real. Uh, tomorrow up in Ingalls, Indiana, would love to see you up there. Plus, the samples are going to be flowing as they usually do with Heaven Hill Distillery. You know that. I've made the, the not so subtle transition. I have gone, I have gone from Larceny and Ginger Ale now to uh, Bloody Mary guy. I mean, Bloody Mary in the afternoon. I don't know if that's going to end coming up at the end of uh, the football season or what, but Bloody Mary guy, I've become here. Why? from Damon whether you're a Purdue fan or not coach Painter is a great conversation well done as always it's it's all him i just going to sit there and ask and he uh he's the one that's really good and it's uh, very nice to have Matt back on the show and again they leave coming up at the end of this week head out to the Maui Invitational which is because of obviously the fires on the island of of Maui that just so devastated that area around the Lahaina Civic Center uh, and the Lahaina Civic Center itself. I I know that they're rebuilding and their plan is to have it back in place on Maui again, but obviously they're hosting that in Honolulu and it is absolutely stacked with talented teams. Uh, the Maui, Maui Invitational, 5 o'clock I believe, Five o'clock, I believe, is when the Boilermakers play Gonzaga. Uh, that is coming up on Monday. Got you covered. Why the Pacer win was much bigger than just your average win in a month of November game? So many different reasons why that was huge last night. We'll dive back into that in a second. Josh is at two three nine ten seventy right now. Hello, Josh. Hey, Jay. How's it going? Josh, I couldn't be better. Thanks for the call. Yeah, hey, Pacers, man,
8: we have a superstar point guard, man. I'm talking about, I don't think we've had this level of player here I, ever. I mean, Reggie was a good, solid player, but I think we have an elite level type of player here. I, I don't know if you
0: agree or not. Nah, he's he's well He is well on the way. There's no question about that. You even look at the last two games, numbers with the points and the assists and the no turnovers is ridiculous. And that's, that's what I mentioned about last night that is also so huge because in a night that obviously it was dominated by Draymond Green and the headlock on Rudy Gobert and all that crap, on the floor, it was his performance and this Pacer performance that got a great deal of love and that goes a long way with this team and its growth see when you're growing you don't always have to be losing to grow and mature and last night I just thought all the way around with the officiating that sucked really bad the screw job Mm -hmm. they were getting by that uh, the fact that miles yeah miles in the fourth quarter coming back in the fashion in which he did there were a lot of things last night that I looked at beyond the final score and the win that were big for the Pacers even though it was just an NBA game in November
8: I, I do got one question though.
0: Yes. Do you? And you
8: know, I don't like really because I like the chemistry we have. But right. Do you think we need one more like big piece, like a Paul George type, or you know something in that 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 nature, you know,
0: to to get to that that next line. Li- I, yeah. I, I hesitate. To, to do or feel anything about Paul George's return here. But if you want you know, add somebody else to the equation here that you can absolutely count on on, on a much higher level, yeah, I, mean, I think we've seen over the years that you have to have something like that. You have to have multi. So either somebody on this team like grows into that role or you go out there and you, you find somebody else at some point, not this season, I would doubt, but somebody at some point to tag along, yeah.
8: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I don't I don't know how much Gordon Hayward's got left in his tank, but I could see him probably coming here
0: in a year or two, you know, Do you? yeah, career. I don't see that either. I see that less than Paul George.
8: Yeah I, I could see him come here and finish, I don't know as far as a, a second start because like, at that point of his career I think he would be more so of a third, you know, role player guy. But, you know, Paul George seems like he 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 kinda still got a life for here, you know.
0: Well, he probably wanted to find any place else other than where he is right now in that mess. So, yes, any landing spot would be good.
8: Yeah, but I love what we've got going here. You know, I don't really want to fickle with the chemistry, but that's all I had. Yeah,
0: you call any time, Josh. Thank you for the call. They're not in that position yet, but it does seem like if you want to go to the highest of levels, at some point you have to venture down that path. But I couldn't tell you who it might be. I don't even know. I'll give you a great example. And who knows what happens in Phoenix. But who who would have thought at, at, at some point a year, year and a half or so ago, that, you know, along with Devin Booker in Phoenix, they would have Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? I mean, they got the trio as well going in Phoenix, so it just—that's tough to gauge that right now. And I'm not suggesting the Pacers are ready for that. I'm kind of living in the moment of just watching this team mature, and then battling against those that believe that you know it's noble to lose during growth periods. And I've always said I think that sucks. And I think that is just kind of mentality that a lot of folks have taken along because you've experienced here in recent history with both teams in this market so much losing and you're just so easily ready to go ahead and double back to square one and start all over again and do this and do that and trade value and blah, blah, blah. That stuff anymore drives me nuts. At least from a Pacers standpoint, it is time to start winning consistently. I said that in a promo a couple of weeks ago, and it stands true today. That's my expectation. I think they should be that good. And I thought last night a lot played into this team being at the level in which I thought. I I don't know if they exercise demons like people have asked me, but there were situations last night that in recent history against Philly, against that team, we would not have seen happen. And last night it did. Cross the board. Get back to that on the other side, Kevin Bowen. top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. 93.5, 5, The Fan.
2: The Ride with JMV. Look at all
6: those ding-dongs.
2: 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan.
6: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: Uh, Matt Painter, a little bit earlier in the hour if you missed the conversation. Boilermaker fan or not, if you just love hoops... Always really good with Matt. Podcast 1075 and Uh We got tomorrow, we got our Larsley Bourbon Locks, Luna Ziltekia, the shots up in Ingalls tomorrow. We're going to be at the uh, Taylor's bar and table. Uh, Bobby Marks on tomorrow, right? The general manager, the NBA general manager for ESPN. Bobby Marks joins us coming up on the show tomorrow. All right. My thoughts on the Pacer win last night and why, to me, it meant more than just a November night win on a Tuesday in Philadelphia. I went in full detail. (laughs) I don't know how many times I told you about T.J. McConnell's need on this team. You saw it again last night. If you have not been proven wrong in your own mind, then you need to reopen it because this guy is an essential piece to this team. No matter what you think. And I know i got a lot of criers out there that want to cry about somebody losing time and time to grow for the younger players and all that blah, blah, blah crap. But he is an essential piece to this team. And all he does when he gets called upon is go out there and do just that. As expected. And he did it again last night. 239-1070. Reggie's on board on this show this <laughs> afternoon. Reggie, hello.
1: What's up? This is Homer. Reg, how you doing today, Reg, man? Reg, man, I'm good. Go ahead. Hey, man. I
8: just got through playing 18 holes of golf, and I'm over with my buddy's house in the garage drinking a larger, Craig. <laughs> having a good time. I thought about <laughs> you let me call you in. The Patriots had a good win, I want to tell you. I'm increasing my bid from 45 wins to 48, and the reason I'm doing that is, our bench is better than everybody else's bench. I think at one point we were up 31-6 as far as bench points, and I like that. Let Maxi score. Let uh, 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 the big process score. Let, uh, let the people from Milwaukee score. Let's just keep it close. Let our bench play better, and let's get it in. Let's do this. Go Pacers.
0: Go Pacers. Go Pacers. All right, get that Elijah Craig going. All right, Reggie.
4: <laughs> we got it. We got done.
0: <laughs> Later. Hell of a call going. right there, fellas. The Elijah Craig, by the way, that'll be flowing tomorrow up in Ingles. You guys do not want to miss that. Jamie, the Pacers need to fill their spot that is now open because Daniel Tice was bought out today. He's probably going to end up with the Clippers. Uh, a lot of people are thinking Oscar Shiboy. some have mentioned Kendall Brown, uh, many of you have mentioned Lance Stevenson. I know of the three which one it won't be. And nothing against that one either, but I know which one it will not be. But yeah, I've seen the numbers in the G League, Nicholas, that shiboy has been putting up, and maybe that's going to be it. I just don't happen to know. This we'll find out here relatively soon. If you're heading down to see Adam Sandler later on tonight at Cambridge Field House, enjoy that. Somebody that's going from the morning show. In fact, I think the entire morning show is going. Kevin Bowen from the morning show, the morning wake up call with KB and Andy. Kevin's with us next.
6: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: The Ride with JMV. Smokey, this is not nom. This is bowling. There are rules. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Raphael Davis of the Big Ten Network a little bit earlier. Matt Payne the head coach of the Boilermakers. Purdue Gonzaga coming up from uh, the Maui Invitational in Honolulu. That is on Monday afternoon at 5 o'clock. Uh, tomorrow, Bobby Marks of ESPN, the NBA general manager for ESPN. Bobby Marks going to join us on the show. We'll talk about a variety of things. Now, one move the Pacers did make today, Daniel Tice, contract bought out. Uh, they got an, a roster spot available. Um... People have mentioned Oscar Chibwe. Obviously, Kendall Brown has been brought up and many, probably as many as anybody else. You have brought up Lance Stevenson. So of the three right there, I can tell you which one it won't be. But you have brought that up anyway. Uh, tomorrow's going to be a great luxury Bourbon locks and luna's, Azul tequila shots. Ingalls, Indiana is going to be the location. Taylor's Bar and table tomorrow in Ingles. Love to see everybody up there. Week 11 without the Colts. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline for the morning show, the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy, the KB portion of it is Kevin Bowen with us. All right, Shebway, Brown, or Stevenson? What's your call there? Filling that gap on the roster.
4: My caller, are you putting that a poll
9: on Twitter? Because I know where the poll on Twitter is Oh, go. can you
0: imagine? To Pluto What's with that, that thing, man. Seriously.
9: <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kendall Brown would get a vote outside <laughs> of his family yeah. if you put that on Twitter. Uh, boy, I, I guess if you're going to give me those three, I would say sh- boy. uh What about, like, are you going to go veteran pass? No, uh,
0: you're thinking you about, like, T.J. Warren Jackson? or T.J. Warren, somebody like that. I mean, just an example. I'm not suggesting they have any interest, but that's, you know, the type of name that you're thinking about, right. right? Yeah.
9: Yeah. You know, again, I don't know what you're – are you looking for a fourth center? I mean, I guess if Jalen Smith's going to be out for a little bit of time.
0: I would have uh, done that anyway, I mean, Kev. I mean, would you not? I, I mean, I, I don't know about you. I just thought much like we've seen with T.J. McConnell, there were going to be times this season where where Tice was going to be important to this team. And, I mean, hell, we saw it last night. I think we've seen it twice so far this year, and we're barely a month deep, so that is a bit of a concern to me.
9: Yeah, it's funny. When that happened last night, I'm like, could this be worse timing? (laughs) (laughs) Like, You play Philly, what, three times out of the whole season, and here it is, one of those games, and you certainly wouldn't, I think you would have turned Tice last night. Yeah, you certainly would have. Um, And obviously, you know, his, you know, whatever career here in Indiana is over, so but then part of me is like, do you need a fourth center in today's NBA, you know, outside of Philadelphia? I mean, most nights you could get by with, you know, whatever, Aaron Nismith before, or, you know, going smaller with that. So I think a lot of it just kind of depends on what you want. You know, do you want that roster spot to be, you know, kind of like I said a few minutes ago, I mean, do you want it to be a George Hill, James Johnson? Like, do you view it in that light, Uh, you know, outside of McConnell? uh, And obviously he still plays meaningful minutes for you. I don't know if you have somebody there, um, so I, I'll be curious to see what they do. I, I don't think it's just a, you know, way given yeah. or something along those lines there. Um, I, I'd probably wait and see what's up with Jalen Smith for now. And then, you know, I, I also, I don't know if you're in a huge rush either. Um, I, I don't think it's something that you want to guarantee it for the rest of the year. You know, play out, obviously you get in some injury situations, you know, that could influence some things and, you know, who knows what'll happen when the trade deadline rolls around.
0: Yeah. I, I... Does it change their mind or does it factor in that they did go small ball last night and actually got some usage out of that? Would that change their mind? Because if it's me, I I would want the advantage of having – another big around, you know, just in in case, another big. And that's, again, why I like Daniel Tice. I just know that he didn't like that situation, and clearly the Pacers were doing him a solid, uh, buying him out in the fashion in which they did. But did we see last night going small, maybe um, a presence in which they want to do in the future that would keep them from going with that fourth big, or was that just kind of a moment in time on a Tuesday night in Philadelphia?
9: Well, I I think it was a moment in time in the sense of no one's like Embiid. I I mean, I'm trying to think of the Eastern Conference, like who you would even...
0: Well, we've seen it twice already in a month, though. We saw that situation twice. And, you know, in in terms of Milwaukee, Kev, you know, we, we saw Rick Double... And I thought we saw moments in that Milwaukee game why we don't see them double very often because they weren't good at it, especially early on. But you, you were felt compelled you had to be in that situation. I, I don't know. It's, it, I, you know, it's interesting that this is a major deal for us to talk about, but it doesn't in the grand scheme of things, Kev, seem like a major deal.
9: Yeah, I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Of like, you know, it'd be one thing if whatever in this day and age in the NBA, like all of these teams had some, but even more of a traditional big. I mean, you know, if you faced Miami in round one, for example, yeah, I mean, Bam is 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 a really good player, but again, he's not seven foot two eighty and or north of seven foot and someone that you really want you know to have a banger against. I mean, you could survive probably by going a little bit smaller. So. I, I don't know, you know, with, you know. I guess Turner's had a little bit of injury history, not as much recently. Um, you know, I, maybe that would factor into it, but I think we all have agreed it's just kind of a logjam at center. Obviously, Tice wasn't too pleased about it, so I, I probably view it in more of a no need to rush into anything right now. Have the flexibility, see how your health plays out over the next couple of months, and see what happens when the trade deadline rolls around. Because I mean, maybe when the trade deadline rolls around, maybe that's where you want to do a two for one, or you want to do a three for two, or you know something like that, to where you know the fact that you're able to absorb something on your roster could be you know really helpful for
0: you. Normally, Kev, too, when you get all this discussion about a team and its depth that you're going to get somebody unhappy and we have seen somebody already unhappy and now somebody is gone. Is there anybody else you think within this roster right now that may get a little bit unhappy with the amount of clock that they receive?
9: You know, they panned to the bench last night and for the first time in about a week, I said to myself, Oh, I forgot Jordan Wara played for the Pacers. I'm like, yeah, he is on this basketball team. I, I to me, he can be helpful. I think he can be helpful on a good team. I mean, hell, he was playing some sort of a role for the Bucks even before he came here. So, um, again, he would be one that pops into my uh, into my mind. I also say this, John. I mean, the Pacers, I think health wise, they've been incredibly healthy for the first ten games. Uh, and you, know, you, well, you don't
0: bring that up, man. You know what happens when you bring <laughs> that crap up? Come on, man. Come on. <laughs>
9: yeah, boy. Knock my, on it, some it,
0: wood my, or something around there. Look whose show you're on right here. I mean, the karma is just ready to kick you right square in the groin. Don't do it.
9: Fortunately, not a lot of wood around here. So, um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure there's not.
4: (laughs) (laughs) If you look at, you
9: know, Cleveland, whenever that was, first week of the season, they were really banged up. I mean, even was missing a couple guys last night. So, um, again, I, I think there's going to come a point in time where you're going to need to rely. And, and last night, I mean, certainly it was one of those nights where you needed to rely on a little bit more of that depth um, throughout the game. So Wara um, is the one that would probably stand out to me. I, I still think TJ McConnell is going to have those once every couple of games where he's still going to play uh, a meaningful role for you. Yeah. So. He's the one of established in the league, like Jarris Walker, Ben Shepherd. You know some of those guys. You know they're not established enough to obviously dictate some of that.
0: Where's uh, Tyrese Halliburton right now in the hierarchy of individual NBA talents?
9: I would say he's unquestionably one of the most valuable players in the NBA, uh, especially if you look at the acronym and actually, you know, I guess define it as most valuable player i i don't you know andy and i did this exercise earlier today i mean how far down the list do you get before you would label more valuable guys to their teams i mean certainly luka and Giannis, and probably Embiid, bead and, and I, maybe Jokic, um Tatum. but yeah but again if you just went off straight off the acronym like most valuable player could boston Survive to a degree with Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, Derek White, etc. Yeah, the Pacers couldn't survive at all without. No, there's no, there's no, no I mean, doubt, there's no
0: doubt about that. Yeah,
9: yeah, I mean, it'd be a 30-win team, it, it, you know, something along those lines. There, so I mean, just look at last season. You know, they weren't losing games without him. They're getting blown off the floor without him. So, um, I know that's kind of a debate that you have. Of okay, is most valuable player the best player or is it the acronym well if it's the acronym there's no way you can name me six maybe seven guys more valuable to their team in the entire nba um and i also think he is you know a a, certainly a top whatever 20 guy in the league if you're just going to label it best player because that's where i think you know you get into a tatum and a brown that obviously are on the same team but boston were to lose one of them maybe the value isn't as immense as it is some other guys, but it's it's insane what, what he does. So it's insane what he does as a passer, as a scorer. Um, the lack of, like, there's not a lot of guys that take that pressure off him. So he is, like, number one, two, and three, I would assume, on a scouting report every night for an opposing team, and yet he still puts up these, I mean, rather video game-like numbers of, you know, it's not – I feel like there, there's been guys in the NBA, John, that have had high assist numbers, but they're very careful with it. You know, they're not like, you know, they're not really trying to squeeze that pass here or there. They're not throwing a lot of lobs and, you know, not a lot of guesswork with Halliburton. It, I mean, he threw one last night to Obi Toppin. I mean, Gardner Minshew wish he could throw it that far right now. I mean, it, it's, it's impressive just how he sees the play ahead of everybody else on the floor. Um, I mean, Toppin, honestly, is, is the perfect just little sidekick for him with throwing those passes and, and seeing that stuff and, and putting guys into positions of strength and things like that. Uh, he is an absolute joy to watch. And, again, whether he's distributing it or doing it on his own from a scoring standpoint, um, he ranks right up there with anybody in the, in the NBA.
0: You know, the Pacers, I thought – Kev accomplished a lot of things last night, and and at least to me it was bigger than just a, a November Tuesday night in Philadelphia with the win because you, you saw, once again, Halliburton elevate his game in front of a lot of eyeballs, those that didn't care about the chokehold of, of Draymond Green against Rudy Gobert and the Timberwolves, but a lot of eyeballs saw that last night, which is good. Everybody was talking about it last night. Um, You saw the Pacers just getting over in general. Um, You saw Miles, who looked like just your average matchup with Embiid once again in the fourth. That stepped up big. I thought Halliburton had a great deal to do with that, still making sure he got the basketball and having his back on that. And then you saw it eight against five because they were getting hosed and getting hosed big time. And they overcame all of that last night. I mean, all of it in a fashion in which we had seen, even with good teams, Kev, in the past around here, that would have wilted, and this team didn't last night. So that's, to me, more impressive than just the win in general itself on a Tuesday night in Philly.
9: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good way to put it. And I, uh, I, I feel like they handled all the chaos, all the BS, and, and so much of it was thrown at them um, and on the road. And, 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 you know, to me, I felt, I felt like they kind of entered the game, you know, having a little bit of a different psyche as well. Uh, like a couple of things stood out to me early on of, you know, Carlisle took Halliburton out like midway through the first, I want to say, and it started to kind of slip a little bit. He on a run, and he put him right back in the game. And, you know, that's not typical, like, NBA rotation yeah. for how coaches handle it. Frank it Vogel would the, not have done that is what you're saying, yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, I kind of had, like, a little yeah. bit of a playoff feel of, like, no, 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 you go right back in there. You don't, you know, whatever, put the heating pad on your legs for the next six minutes like you normally would. And then at halftime, you know, J.J. and, and, and Obi Toppin there in that interview – I mean, Toppin was like, we've got to win this game. I mean, it was like, it looked like he wanted to bite JJ's head off, just how, you know, kind of intense he was. And again, this is a guy in Obi Toppin that, I mean, he, he could look at this as a very individual year. It, it hasn't worked out with the Knicks. Uh, he hasn't had a great start to the season individually, or maybe a super consistent start is probably a better way to put it. It's a contract year. Um, he's, he hasn't, you know, dealt with all of the whatever, losing or the lack of playoffs that the Pacers have had over the last handful of seasons. And yet he certainly has or clearly looked to me like a guy very, very much bought in and said, no, 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 this one means more on a Tuesday. Now you don't get many chances against, you know, Philly at full strength, you know, again in their building. Uh, clearly the, I think the in season tournament, I know some people disagree with it. I think it really matters to the team uh, and, and you could, you know, Sit here and act like Tyree Halliburton shouldn't care as because much because
0: they haven't yeah. won anything. Is what you're saying? Yeah,
9: yeah. Well, two Halliburton. Yes, he makes it clear every time he yeah. talks. He's like, I haven't won anything. He like he openly brings it up, but he also brings up, I want to be on national television. And, and again, you know, people could say, Oh, you should have other motives than that. Okay, whatever. It motivates Tyrese Halliburton. He knows exactly how many TNT games he's been on in his career, and that pisses him off. And I think these guys know, and Halliburton probably being the leader of it, they know if they win their group, which if they beat Atlanta on Tuesday night, they will win their group, they'll be on TNT, or they will have a nationally televised game, at least one, in that knockout round. So um, it, it just it, it strikes me as last night met more than just your average mid-November game. I honestly think it will be one of the few games this year, John, when we get to March and April, no matter what happens with this season, We'll look back and say, "Remember that you completely know, agree." Yes, um, and, and and that is something that I think is critical for a team that just isn't used to winning or being in those environments. Period. Well,
0: I and mean, you got a fan base that's not too used to it either. I mean, really, on on either side. Comes to football or basketball in this case. So you, you stop thinking about, you know, what they're going to do in the offseason and what they're going to do in April or what they're going to do in June in the draft or what they're going to do in July during the free agency window. And you start thinking about now and what you have. And, you know, I said that before the start of the season. You know, when I talked to Rick Carlisle before the season last year, he said, Hey, yeah, you, know, you don't get mad. This team is not going to look good on some nights but we're moving in the right direction yeah this year's completely different from that now you have expectations and I don't mind to see along Kev with the growth of this team the expectations grow as well I think that can be to me so much more a lot of people think you grow through you know the nobility of losing and that's not me I want to see them win and grow because this team clearly has that capability.
9: Yeah, and I also think they're in kind of a nice little spot here in terms of the rebuild and the win and the winning kind of blending into it. But at the same time, it's not like they're all chips in in the middle of the table. So, like, they could they could do a lot of different things when the trade deadline rolls around. I think that's honestly kind of why this Daniel Tyson move, you know, part of why it, it, it happened. In a way, it almost seemed to me like the Pacers – they got ten games into the season. They realize Jalen Smith looks more than competent as the backup five. Isaiah Jackson. He, I, bu- I thought Jackson was was pretty. critical no, he is, last
0: yeah, he, he has been. Yes, no doubt.
9: When he got in the game, it's like okay, we can make do, uh, but let's open up some cap space. Let's open up a roster spot. So when that trade deadline rolls around again, if you you know who knows, come February. Right now, it looks very much like a you know. And again, this is a horrible memory to bring up for Pacers fans, but. If you want to make the Andrew Bynum, Evan Turner move, you could do that. And so I think that's a position that it was just an unknown at the start of the year. You were hoping to be in that position, but there's obviously a chance that you're not. Well, the early returns are saying you could be in that spot. And, of course, we'll see how you know, the rest of the year plays out. But, yeah, I think um, I, I would have said this to you, John, I think a month ago. But especially on the first two weeks of the season, I think the expectation should certainly be to be out of the plan. You know, I, I kind of said in the five and six range, and and I think you can be super competitive in round one.
0: So, Kevin Bowen, the morning show is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. And the bros from the morning show are going to be going to see Adam Sandler later on tonight. Thanks to the generosity of one Eddie White. You two bros are going to hang out tonight? We, we are. Are you making – I am not over there. I am not. Um, And it's not because of (laughs) probably some, well, I don't know if you saw that last night or not. Yeah. I, it's not because of that. I got to coach up some girls. I told Eddie that I I don't have a problem with Eddie right now. Now there's somebody else over there. I have a serious problem with, but (laughs) it's, it is not Eddie. Um, I just couldn't make it tonight because I had to coach up, um, coach up my daughter and the girls, but, uh, yeah, no, you guys it. will have a good yeah. time.
9: Yeah, you don't. I, There's some other jackassery
0: that I'm going to get after here pretty damn quick. But uh, other than that, I'm all good. So that was yeah, nice of Eddie to invite us that. all.
9: I do remember your your text. I was part of that group <laughs> last night when I when I, when I saw I, your text. I, I, I I it did make me laugh a little. I did
0: not get a response from that text, so <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked by that. <laughs> I did not get a I. am no, sorry, I lost Kev. Truth
4: Ke- serum to the yeah.
0: I just you know what get that out there get that out there and man cultivate that right now you know get some of those personalities out there more i mean do it and stop jacking around and you know we end up talking about it i mean they're they're the first people to call when you don't talk about them and then you know you have just a a great win like get, get that out there let everybody hear from these dudes man these dudes sound great on the air I, I just don't understand yeah. that mentality, and I'm going to tell you this, and it's going to piss everybody down there off, but the Colts would never do that, never. So they yeah, are always the on call, always respond. You would not get ghosted for five months. So there's no way, no how. So, yeah,
9: that's where yeah, I am. I'll, I'll probably go down the path of thank you to Eddie White for the invite and looking forward to it. <laughs> no, <laughs> you should, because he
0: has zero okay. to do with that. He has nothing to do with that. That's not on him. Uh, so, yeah.
9: But yeah, I mean, I I think I saw, if I'm not mistaken, the Caliburns on either JJ Reddick's podcast, he either was yeah. on earlier this week or will be on it at some point. So
0: oh, good, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's good. I'm glad he does, but I'm sorry, JJ Reddick's not speaking to the Pacer fans here. No, I'm sorry. It's I mean, I'm sorry. That, it's like when they have Rick on with you guys, that's savvy, that's smart. Yeah. But you can't leave it at that and this wash your hands and say we're done. That's not yeah.
9: smart, especially when. You know, from a daily routine yeah. standpoint, J.J. Reddick was not calling the Pacers, <laughs> you know, the past couple of yeah, years. Yeah, so. exactly.
0: And no, and nobody cares. I mean, nobody around here cares. I mean, nobody. you want to make yeah. sure you fill that building up. And then, again, you want to get these personalities out there. There are a lot of good personalities on this team. I don't know how many of these guys we've actually heard from. Yeah, I um, – I mean, you listen, I'm, they uh, did – the, the Obi Toppin came in the summer. Bruce Brown came in the – I don't think either one of those dudes have been on here. I mean, that's crazy. Absolutely
2: crazy. Yeah,
9: I mean, I mean, honestly, that's why I look forward to some of JJ stuff. Not only, uh, honestly, the assistant coaches at halftime I, I, I also enjoy, but I, I like want them to get a lead at half and then want them to win just so I can, you know, hear from these guys. And, you know, in the, in the press conference settings, you can only get so much. But, you know, I, to me, um, you know, whether it's how they play the game, I think we all really enjoy. But, yeah, yes. like, I think personality-wise, um, there's a lot to like. And, and not just – it's not just Halliburton. Um, I think there's a lot there with how these guys are wired.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. And we love basketball love it I mean I for one right. love basketball and and last night was so enjoyable for me that you know any night when when miles gets to shut everybody up is really a good night for me but I just man that's that's the type of stuff you, you need to act on it don't let that be fleeting and kind of disappear in the wind is is what I'm thinking about it but uh they they got you guys covered what they do with Rick on Tuesday is is savvy and smart but what they do with the rest of it isn't so, that's just kind of where I am there.
9: Yeah, and again, I, I think you feel this way, but I just, disappre- like, I, I find myself with, with Rick just wanting to listen. He sounds like, great, Kevin. He even, sounds
0: great. He does.
9: Yeah. Mm. Like, not even wanting to, I, I try myself not to think, okay, what did Andy just ask? What do I want to ask? That? No, I'm like, just. I just want to listen. It's one of the few interviews, I don't know if I should say this, but it's one of the few, John, that, we have on, and then i I go back and listen to it later in the day. yeah, just yes. it's one that and honestly, you had one of those today with Matt. this I mean, Matt's the know, same I, way, yeah, right. I feel the exact same way. you just you don't get just b s coach speak and you get you know guys that open up on a variety of topics and um and, and you know what credit to Rick for how he's handled this. I mean this is this was quite the undertaking, and he's had a lot to prove himself, and I think he's had to kind of be a little bit open-minded with how the NBA game has changed since his start in the league, you know, a couple of decades ago. And uh, yeah, I think he's done a great job of that. And, and honestly, just kind of let, you know, Tyrese quarterback all of it and realize, Hey, if I, if I get my hands too much on that, I'm going <laughs> to screw up a pretty good thing. I, I tell you what, it,
0: it probably would be good for IU to maybe unleash Woodson back up in here at some time too. You know what I mean? Just to hear from yeah, him. But, I don't think yeah, we've he heard was, from him since the day he got hired. And that's, yeah, we that's the last time.
9: out routinely on that. I believe we were told, not a big radio interview guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? He's been on with me before when he's been, uh, I think he was, he may have been the head coach at the time of the Knicks, but maybe he was an assistant somewhere. He was awesome. Absolutely awesome. And that's what I, I'm talking about, man. You want to, you know, you want to see some other sides and that's what you guys get with Rick I mean you get other sides of stuff here's what I think is great um, and I'm I'm here to tout your show obviously Um, (laughs) but when I listen to him in the mornings with you guys what I think is amazing and I love is when he starts talking about other things going on in this city you know he starts talking about Gardner Minshew or the Colts and stuff I don't think anybody completely understands how important that is and how people love to hear that. The investment that somebody at that level has in this city, in this community, I mean, it is so important and it sounds so good. I'm telling you, that's savvy. The rest of it isn't, but it sounds good every Tuesday. I mean, you guys are incredibly fortunate.
9: Yeah, we are, and and yeah, he went on about Shane Steichen mm. the first time we had him on. Yes, in his sit down with Shane for like five or ten minutes, and I'm like, wait a minute, should I keep on asking Shane Steichen questions? I kind of to." and then Shane know, needs really to take point some pointers.
0: Things. He needs to give Shane some well, pointers on how to be. So
9: yeah, yeah. I, I think I think there's a better chance I run a four <laughs> 40 in the next couple of years than that happened.
0: he's he's going to have to change a little bit, man. I mean, he's going to have to be a little bit more in depth at some point. Or or win win to a level where nobody cares. But unless you yeah. win at that level, unless you win at that level, you're gonna have to have just a shred more personality at some point. I mean, even if it's yeah. the arms crossed, I don't wanna be I'd rather be in the dentist chair for a root canal than talk to you, J M V Chris Ballard type of thing. So even if it's that. <laughs>
9: I say, say better chance I'm in the Pacers power pack than uh, than, than Shane goes. To, <laughs> I'd goes love to see that. Path.
0: I'd love to see that. You in the power pack. So what's uh, what's Swebo drinking tonight? Do we know?
9: That's a great. He, I think he strikes me, or he uh, at least is you know made it seem like he's he's going to go go with the heavy stuff. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I think we could be getting some dark liquor out of him. It could be a little <laughs> bit of a grog.
0: The, <laughs> the brown, wa- the brown water with Sweebo, man. and you guys, yeah.
9: you guys have to Uber him home. And, and I believe the missus is going to be there as well. Nice. So, I mean, think about that. Think back to the first kid and the first time you went out after, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, believe this is their first night out since, uh, since, uh, little, little gas was born. So sometimes the tolerance could, uh, could, take a turn on you. So we'll see how things are at 7 a.m. in the morning.
0: I was trying to think. I don't think my wife and I have been out together since 1995, and I think that was a group date (laughs) at McCree's Deli. I I think
9: I was six years old back then. I was
0: was always a big fan of the group date. I didn't want to go out like uh, man and woman on this. I wanted to have like two and three dudes and two and three chicks out. I was a group date guy.
9: Yeah. Well tonight that's us. It's yes. gonna be the morning it's gonna be the morning show group date at Adam Sandler. So it's my first time seeing Sandler. It's really my first time for a you know, kind of a big comedy show like that. So yeah. I am looking forward to it.
0: You will have an absolute blast. And uh yeah, thank Eddie White for the the invitation and uh tell some stories tomorrow morning, man.
9: We'll do. Good luck on the sidelines and uh yeah. have a great rest of the week, John. You got uh, Thad on tomorrow? Yes, thank Good. you for that. Yeah, yes. we got Thad Mata. On tomorrow, a big one for Butler on Friday. You Did uh, you see Aaron Kraft is currently living with Thad Mata? Did you, did you ever see
0: that? <laughs> I love that. I you love guys, it. The whole uh, Ohio State team, Diebler's on the sideline, Mata's there. Right. So,
9: yeah. So Yeah, uh, Aaron Kraft's going through med school here in Indy. So, uh, we'll chat with Thad about a variety of things tomorrow.
0: You got it, my brother. I appreciate you. Tell uh, Sweebo I said hello. Have a great time tonight. Will do. Hope everything's
9: good with your mom, John. Yeah,
0: thank you, man. Kevin Bowen right there. The morning show is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy, 7 until 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Thad Mata of Butler, the head coach, is on the show. Coming up tomorrow morning. If you missed Matt Painter a little bit earlier, that podcast is up, 107.5thefan.com. If you're on hold, your call's on the other side, location tomorrow, and we'll hit a stretch run here for the end of the show. On a Wednesday in central Indiana, the Rye with JMV. 93.5107. 5, the fan.
6: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies. Jamming out to something new and everything in between.
2: The ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. Wow. He, he does. Play. And a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan.
0: Raphael Davis, the former Boilermaker from the Big Ten Network earlier. Matt Painter was fantastic in the floor i checked that four o'clock hour and uh, matt's getting ready with his team to head for the maui invitational if you haven't looked at that that thing is absolutely loaded boilermakers get the 11th ranked gonzaga bulldogs coming up on monday at five o'clock so i think we'll still be on the air whenever that game officially gets underway but it's uh It's a fantastic invitational. Now, again, it is not in Maui because of the fires that took place uh, just so awful over the summer. Uh, It has been moved to Honolulu, but it is stacked with talent Monday, 5 o'clock. You've got the Boilermakers in Gonzaga. If you missed Matt Painter podcast, 1075 fancom Tomorrow's show is going to be live in Ingalls, Indiana. We're going to be at Taylor's Bar and Table. Larceny Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Week number 11 without the Colts. And with the president of Schulers in the house. Coming up on, on Thursday, probably in the 4 o'clock hour, I think. But he's going to give back. Going to give back some love for Central Indiana and your embrace of the spreadability. Two three nine ten seventy. CK is up next on the show. Hello, CK. Hey
4: John, it's Chris again. Actually, I'm going by CK, so uh, we can record you who, who I am. Wanted to talk about Miles again on his performance last night. Sorry. Uh, hopefully, I'm not going to say anything about somebody that uh, from your last conversation with OKB. I, I feel a little concerned now. If I say anything wrong, but oh, it's all know. good, man. It's all good. Go ahead. Well, I don't know who that was at, and uh, good lord, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> what was that going to tell you? Now you got me on. Uh, you, got you
0: were going to say something about miles.
4: Well, no, Miles played another great game. He did.
0: Uh, Well, fourth quarter, he had a great fourth quarter, and that's what was different is because Miles Miles didn't let what had taken place, really the hosings and the foul calls and all that, didn't have him take him out of his game. 17, I think most of which that work was done in the fourth. That was a different Miles that we have seen in the past. That's
4: good. He's coming around. We're seeing it progress, and that's the beauty of it. But here, I just remember, <laughs> I just remembered what I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, John, and I hope that it's more entertaining than anything. And uh, I listened to a uh, what's-his-name there at noon. Um, damn it. Um, Jake Query, Query and Company. Query, God dang it. He, he's my age. You're my age. And he was telling me all a story about probably six, seven months ago, and it just bothered me since about he how he made a bet with someone on the basketball court when he was a younger guy and doing his little thing on the court with the NBA. And he took a $5 bet with somebody. And then by the time he ended up losing, the guy was saying, where's my 500 And he's like, what? What, what? And then he's like, well, no, $5 for, for, I guess, that guy. And I think it's more of the NBA, uh, maybe uh, whatever you want to say. But if you just go back and listen to, and you being the music guy that I know you are, knowing all that, you remember I had 5 on it, right? yeah lunas i tell you this yeah yeah exactly yes listen to it i wanted to tell him this go listen to that it's a uh, five double up zero you got that's what he when he said i got five on it, and he was it just cracked me up man because of my, of my generation and and i know he's my age and it's like he never caught that yeah but anyway just want to let you go on that.
0: ck <laughs> you thank you for the call you know and that, and beyond man. that That recall, yeah, Miles had a a good fourth quarter, and that was a part of what I was talking about at the start of the show. I mean, they, they did a lot of things, and thank you for the call, a lot of things that in the past they would not have done or would not have accomplished. And, yeah, that was Miles in the fourth in a game that was a struggle, in a game against Embiid that was turning out like all those games against Embiid had, many of them in the past. You know, they got over the officiating, which was awful. Uh, T.J. McConnell comes off and again shows why he's so necessary. And then you've just got a star in the making. Then you get a win in November. And then you cultivate all that excitement from that, too. I love it. Absolutely loved it last night. Last night was one of my favorite games to watch in a while. I mean, it had a little bit of everything that had been such a significant issue in the past. And they got over it. And that is a part of growth. That's what I was talking to Kevin about, too the whole, the the, the losing, you know, and, and just being okay with it and thinking that the rebuild and we've got time and years. Man, there is nothing wrong with a rebuild where the process is expedited. I don't know how far I'm going to go on that with this team right now, but you can grow. I think even more. You can grow in terms of winning games like last night. Then again, the nobility of losing but being entertaining. Well, last night was great. Uh, Jay's up next at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, Jay. Hey, what's going on, J&B? Hello, Jay. Hey,
1: man, uh, you know, uh, a couple of callers ago, man, uh, he was saying something about Paul George. Man, look here. The Pacers need to be very careful, man, who didn't fight on this team as far as trade, deadline, or bring in or whatever because you don't want to mess up the chemistry, man. The chemistry, man, it's like having, you know, it's, it, you, know you can't have a hair out of place, man, because it'll mess up everything and it'll make you look bad. So, I think they need to be careful on who they bring on this team. Another thing is, man, Oscar Sheway, man, they need to give him a chance, man. He is a beast, and he can very well be that enforcer that they need on this team because when he was drafted, he said he just wanted to do the dirty work. And that's what you need. You need somebody that's going to do that dirty work.
0: Well, I will say this. The the G League is stratospherically different than what you're going to see up here. Now, I will tell you this. I – I won't be surprised if he's that addition to the roster. Um, I would be certainly surprised if he got much of an opportunity to try to do what you describe him to be able to do right now. For example, I mean, Walker can't even get any clock right now, so it's not likely that he will. Maybe that's something he gets in the future, and he probably gets added to the team, but I wouldn't expect anything like that starting with playing time if he is that addition.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that one. I'm just talking about as far as whoever get injured, he you know he'd be that step in guy. But I believe if he if he ever get in there, man, he can he can possibly put up some numbers far as rebounding.
0: Well, I mean, maybe one of these days. I just again, I, I think you just got to be careful. I don't know what is transferable from from the G League to now. I listen. I'm gonna tell you this, Jay. I hope you're right. I hope one of these days you're right and you can call me again and you can say, see, I told you this guy is going to put his footprint into the NBA, you know, being able to rebound at a higher volume, you know, being tough on the interior. I just think the first thing you got to get is playing time, and I just don't think there's going to be any playing time whatsoever available for him on this team right now the way that it is. Anywhere near? Oh,
1: yeah, I agree with that, that. That that yeah, starting out. But I believe they need not to mess with the chemistry, man. I mean, they need to keep everything intact. If somebody's unhappy, they did. They need to do what they did with a, a feast or whatever his name was. You know, you know, buy them out and let them go. But I, I think they I, didn't keep everything in place.
0: I said, and Jay, thank you for the call. I said this regarding their four bigs, and Kevin and I were having that conversation. And and maybe this is just worrying too much about it. But we have seen now twice in the last week where having four bigs available would be necessary. And it's just so happened against two of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So that concerns me a little bit. I'll be honest. I felt good against Milwaukee when Tice had to go out there. It didn't look like he was ready. It looked like he hadn't played in forever, which is true. And I understand why you want to go ahead and send him down the road to give him more of an opportunity, which seems like that's going to end up being with the LA Clippers. But you talk about the depth of this team, and part of the depth of this team was having, you know, that extra big just in case. And – In a month's time of the start of the season, we have seen that now happen twice. That would concern me. That is the portion that would concern me. And I've said the same thing regarding T.J. McConnell. A lot of people say, hey, he's a veteran. Let him go someplace else. He's not essential to this team. And I don't think you could be more inaccurate. And again, we're a month deep almost into the season, and you have seen why a couple of different times he is essential to this team. And you're going to see it some more. If you're going to talk about depth, and everybody's going to loud your depth, celebrate your depth, then have depth. It's almost like sometimes... It's almost like sometimes you end up in a spot to where you say, oh, yeah, you know what? We're really this good and we have enough. I mean, you're not there yet. And you have a lot of needs. Like, i give you another great example. Buddy Heald was not that need last night. He didn't have it last night. But there are going to be a lot of nights where he is going to be entirely necessary. And it's just not that easy to make those types of choices with this team, even Coming off a night like last night. Or a week like this past week. Ah, Last night was great, though. It really was across the board. Quick break and we shall return. Final time tomorrow on the road. Friday back in studio. And our good friend Fulton, I am coming up to see your play of Elf on Friday. Me and Fulton hanging out. In Tipton, Indiana, I believe. And it's funny, I don't think I've ever been to Tipton. I know the Pork Fest is up there during the summertime, but I don't think I've ever been to Tipton. We're going to go up and see Fulton and the play Elf coming up on Friday. But man, tomorrow's going to be a blast. And again, Ingalls, Indiana, I'll explain that to you and close out the show coming up next. Raphael Davis, Matt Painter, Kevin Bowen, podcast 1075thefan.com. Final time next.
2: The Ride with JMV. Two more minutes. They could be miles off course. That's impossible. They're on instruments. This is going to be a real sweat. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Uh, Kevin Bowen, Matt Painter, and Raphael Davis today. The podcasts 107.5. The uh, Daniel Tice, in case you missed it, uh, had his contract bought out. I'm um, assuming, no, at least the assumption is league-wide, he's going to end up with the uh, L.A. Clippers. And, and that's a party right there. That's exactly you want to go to be a part of that. What have they lost now? Are they 0-5 and five with the Harden of James in the fold? That's fantastic. That's working out great. Is it 0-5 or 0-6? Uh,
4: they are 0-5 with James
0: Harden. 0-5 with James Harden. Golly, that's great. <laughs> I'm telling you. Hey, the other thing I was thinking about last night, and th- th- this is this is no way to scheme anything up, and I realize it, but the way that game was getting cold, especially against the Pacers' bigs last night, it even more solidified my thought. I sit at home, and I'm going – You know what? Embiid's going to get his anyway. But is there a way that he can get his and you can try your damnedest to keep him off the free throw line, which he lived. There was one point in that game last night. He was 3 of 10 from the floor. 3 of 10. But 12 of 12 from the free throw line. He was living on the free throw line. And he lives on it. Is there a way where, all right, you go – Get yours. And nobody wants to hear that described about their defense. Well, we're going to let him get his, and then we're going to do this. And that sounds really stupid, but I was thinking about it. Get his, try as much as you can to keep him off the free throw line, make him work defensively. And then, which I think now with. Tyrese Maxey, it's even more difficult. Can you hold down others? You know, last night Melton had a hell of a game. You know, going back to Sunday, you know Maxey had that 50-pointer. You know, can you keep everybody else down? Because you know Embiid's going to get his anyway. Uh, but in fact, I'm telling you the way that the Pacers had to work around that Last night, all the foul trouble, Jalen Smith. I haven't seen an update on Jalen Smith either. But the Jalen Smith injury, where he had to go to a hospital, get checked for a concussion after a ridiculous ridiculous elbow from one of the Morrises right there. <laughs> and nothing was called. But to get around all of that last night, Is not something that a lot of the teams, even the good teams in history, recent history, would have done. Really impressed. Really was. And unfortunately, now I kind of wish they played again tomorrow night. They don't play again until Sunday. Orlando's in town for that. Uh, this is from John Janvey. You're spot on with the Pacers. It's awesome to watch. What's even better is the Pacers don't chase the prima donnas. No Westbrook, Harden, Paul George, etc. These types of players may work at LA, but Pacer fans would distance themselves quickly. Yeah, there's not a lot of need. I, I will say this, John. When people bring up Paul George, I bristle and don't want any a part of it immediately. But that's just me because of the past that is more me of the past but when people bring that up as something skill set wise that would be useful for a team like the pacers i get where they're coming from i just can't bring myself to it but i do understand where you're coming from when you bring up that name or better yet when you bring up that type of talent but I can't get myself to say, oh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> and I don't think it is. That type of talent, that type of skill set, yes. Hey, tomorrow's show, on the road, Larsity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul tequila shots. We're going to be live on the road at Taylor's Bar and Table in Ingalls. Me, betting analyst Brent Holverson, and the president of Schuler's Spreadable Cheeses telling you guys have brought the Prez to town. Hey, join us tomorrow in Ingalls. It's going to be a blast and the free noted samples will be flowing tomorrow too. James, great job out of you. Rafael Davis, Kevin Bowen, and the head coach of the Boilermakers, always fantastic, Matt Painter, Podcast 107.5 thefan.com. Tomorrow in Ingalls, Taylor's Bar and Table. Lexity Bourbon Locks and Luna's Dual Tequila Shots. If you're going to see Sandler tonight, have a great time. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 3.